<laughs> happy January 2nd or Woo! whatever you're listening to this episode. Uh, this is the first episode releasing in 2023. Uh, I should mention what podcast this is. This is Predator versus Movies. I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. This is a good American accent you're doing because they're American in the movie. Oh, oh yeah. 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 And this is a podcast where we discuss and review the latest <laughs> movie releases. Is that American? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, we'll start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deep discussion of the film. And then we're going to ask the most important question. With it, <laughs> what kind of accent is that, man? I, I think know. it sounds American. Would this movie be better if the alien from Predator was in it? This week, we're going to be reviewing The Whale <laughs> with no special guest. Um, sorry for that bizarre accent. I don't even know what that is. Um, first, we're going to start off with some news, though. Uh, sure. So first off, Avatar The Way of Water has crossed $1 billion at the box office. It is not yet the highest grossing movie of 2022, and I don't think it's going to make it there. Um, well, I guess... Well, spilling into 2023, it will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess, okay, if it released in 2022 and it continues making money into 2023... Yeah, I think like, you I can know. still... That still counts? I, I, th- I think you still count that. Okay, person. okay. So Top Gun Maverick is still currently in the top slot. It's got one point... It's almost $1.5 billion. Avatar is almost at one point two. Um, but it, it got there very, very quickly. Yeah. Like two or three weeks or something. Yeah, now it only needs like eight hundred billion more dollars to break even or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a, a shit ton. Um but I think it is the highest grossing movie of twenty twenty two internationally. So mm. that that extra box office is all from uh america for top gun yeah <laughs> yeah i can't i cannot imagine top gun playing in any country as popularly <laughs> as it did in america and canada yeah i actually do have the numbers in front of me so um foreign uh or like internationally uh avatar the way of water has what is that 800 uh just just north of 800 uh million dollars and mm. um top gun has less it has 7700 um okay. so there you go yeah it's all it's all america all american money <laughs> um uh in the past couple of weeks uh the oscar shortlist came out and there were a couple of interesting snubs um yeah. both nope and tar did not make it onto the sound shortlist which is crazy that is i crazy. i think i actually think nope in particular is crazier in that than that to me like tar oh, is yeah. obviously a fantastic too but like i like Nope produced one of the most disturbing horror scenes I've seen in a long time, and the sound was such a huge part of that. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's insane to me that Nope didn't get nominated. And like I know what you're talking about, like the the screams yeah. from the space from the spaceship thing. Like that, yeah. I wrote that in my review. Like it was so bone chilling. So I actually I had the list in front of me for sound. So the ones that made it were All Quiet on the Western Front, fine. Avatar: The Way of Water, which. I can't even think of like one sound from that. <laughs> like I don't yeah. know. I guess um, the water sounded like water. Like <laughs> <laughs> sure, um, Babylon made it on. Which sure, okay. I guess there was some jazz sound, which sounded. Like <laughs> it's some jazz um, stuff going on. The Batman. I like that. Probably, like probably that. was good. Black Panther, which I know. I guess maybe maybe there sure. was some like interesting sound because this isn't like score either like right. this is its own thing elvis made it on 
Um, I don't mind that, actually. I actually think Elvis's okay. sound was something that I did cut. I don't like, like, like that movie at all. But I'm just comparing these to Nope. Like, the fact yeah. that Nope didn't make it. And oh, yeah, it's crazy. Is, like, so strange. Um, everything, Everywhere, All at Once. That's cool. Pinocchio. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio made it on for sound. I oh. also don't know, like, what sure. sound that's for. <laughs> yeah. um, Moon Age Daydream. Warranted. That's fair. And Top Gun Maverick. Also, I think fair. Yeah, that's um, and then the other snub was for uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Did not make it onto the VFX sound uh, shortlist. Sorry. Yeah, um, which is because it's such it's weird. such like intelligent VFX. Like it's not very high budget, but it's done in such a way that's so effective and like achieves what it wants to at a low at a lower budget. And I think like like that's the kind of ingenuity that should be rewarded. And I think it's pretty sad that a movie that looks as good as that on that budget is not. Yeah. Good. Like Doctor Strange and Fantastic Beasts made it on. Fantastic Beasts. That's so That's That movie came out this year? Yeah, I, 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 exactly. It, that movie came out five years ago, and I won't accept any other answer. Like, there's no way. Well, no, this is the third one. This is Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> no, I, I know. They, they, the those, those, Dumbledore. <laughs> those ended five years ago for me. Sure, my, sure. My I remember watching the the first one in theaters and being like, this is all right. This is an okay movie. And then everyone since then, I've not been showing up to. Um, this is probably the most interesting news from the past couple of weeks. Um, movies can now be sued under oh, yeah. false advertising laws for having misleading trailers. Uh, and this is because, this is this is even better. This is because two Ana de Armas fans rented yesterday the movie from 2019 oh, about the yeah. Beatles. And in the trailer, Ana de Armas was in the movie and they cut her scene, but they put her in the trailer. <laughs> and so they rented the movie thinking Ana de Armas was in it. And then she wasn't like at all. And so then they filed a lawsuit and I guess they won. That's, so, That's crazy. Where was that? Is that in America? Oh, I don't know. I don't know where it was, but like. Like, that's I, so funny to me. I don't like that actually. Because I actually yeah. like, I think it's like. It's interesting when a movie is able to market something in such a way that like gets people into the theater, but then it pulls the rug in like a in a cool way. Because some movies are like unmarketable in mm. uh, in what they actually are, and you have to embellish and even like lie in the trailer yeah. to like even just to make, get that drawn. That's just the reality of it. Well, I think so it's I like two different scenarios, right? One is like. Yeah. You see a scene in the trailer, but that scene is not in the movie. But the movie still works because, like, the trailer is supposed to get you hype, and then the movie delivers. You know, sure. But think but, about even like the like, Tara trailer. But but like, I think in this yeah. case, it's more <laughs> teaser, about yeah. it's more about like how you expect an actor or something to be in the movie, and then you don't see them in the movie, then you get I disappointed. So. But like, I think plot wise, the deception is very fair. You know. Because, like, the whole point is that you don't, you want to get hype after watching a trailer, but you don't want to know the full movie after watching a trailer. I, I think there's something to be said about saying, like, like in a trailer, like, oh, this actor you like is going to be in the movie, even though they're <laughs> actually not. Like, that's yeah. actually, like, straight up lying. Yeah, there's like, no that's bad. I agree. So, I, I think, I understand your fear, though, Aiden, that it could then be applied to yeah. other movies. Like, the one that I think of the most is Avengers Infinity War. With Hulk. And they were like, fully yeah. like <laughs> made up vfx shots to yeah. actively hype you and that works very yeah. well and i think that was a great idea yeah and what well, happens in the movie is is like not disappointing when yeah you it's just as good it's like yeah. why 
yeah. I think that's yeah, that's an example of good deception that could potentially, you know, fall under these new laws. I don't know, it's weird. And also how much like how misleading is the tar trailer? It's so misleading. Like there are so many things the, you the see TV, that aren't yeah. in the movie at all. And then yeah. like it doesn't really it just doesn't give you a sense of the plot and it also doesn't really give you a sense of the tone either. It makes it sound like it's this like a little Super bit of the tone. Artsy. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, and it's not that at all, or it's a little bit like that sometimes, but yeah, I don't know, I don't know how they can apply it. But um, speaking of Avengers, uh, we let's head into the Marvel corner. <laughs> the Marvel <laughs> not, nice transition. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this is a rumor, but uh, it's it's been rumored that Ben Affleck might be coming back to Marvel, not as as uh, one horned character, Daredevil. But as a different horned character, uh, <laughs> the Thor villain Dario Agar, who's like a an Elon Musk type billionaire of rock uh, CEO of Roxxon, the oil corporation in Marvel, who also happens to turn into a Minotaur, which is oh. exactly what I said Thor. What is it? Five Thor five should be to <laughs> do it. <laughs> I'm losing. <laughs> um, like I. I think that's such a great idea. I think Ben Affleck is also like a really good choice for that character. Like if you look him up, like he looks exactly like him just oh, yeah. somehow. I um, still think they should have Jesus in Thor five. If they go for a, a, another comedic uh, Thor movie, then sure, whatever. But Dude, um, say, say what you will about the MCU, but I think casting has always been on point. I, I just think like, I mean, like if you go all the way back to like RDJ as Tony Stark and then more recently, Doctor Strange, Bendit, Cumberbatch, I thought that was perfectly casted. Like, they actually, like, the tone, the, the sort of vibe they give out is just immaculate. Exact same. For sure. And I also, like, I just think Dario Agar is, like, a great character to do next. Just because it'll, it can bring Thor back to Earth and make Earth the central thing. I think yeah. also doing that and, like, exploring Thor's connection with Earth would be a really great point to end that franchise on. And they also teased Hercules, and I just think like, although I, I, exactly, I don't yeah. think they've explored it in the comics. But like, even though Dario Agar is a is a Thor villain, the fact that he's from Greek mythology, the Minotaur, I, it's just too perfect. It's yeah. too perfect to pass up on. That does make you know sense. do you, do your classic Hobbs and Shaw kind of Thor and Hercules, <laughs> <laughs> where they're like fighting yeah. and beefing, and then they make up. And, Dude, you know. I liked Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw was a fun movie. Sure. Um, anyways, we got one other bit of news for the Marvel Corner. Um, this is a rumor about what Captain America 4 will be about. And boy, is it a doozy. So, so uh, hopefully, uh, spoilers, spoilers for Eternals, for those of you like Peter, who have not seen the movie yet that came out last year. Um, but basically, apparently, Cap 4 could be a geopolitical conflict in which several countries around the world are fighting to claim ownership of Tiamat Islands, a.k.a. the celestial that was popping out of the earth and then got turned into some material. So they're going to be fighting over this <laughs> island, and not just like for any random reason, but because it contains and maybe is entirely made of adamantium. Oh, the metal, okay. The metal that Wolverine's claws are famously made out of. That's so funny. Okay, That's insane. But when That's when insane. you first when you first said that, I like I didn't 
like you didn't say that it was because it was valuable and my thought was like okay. why the, why the <laughs> fuck would they want to eat me? why would they be fighting over this uh, but i also think like what the fuck? What is Captain America going to do about that <laughs> yeah. conflict? Like, what are you like, it feels very like American imperialism, like modern American imperialism. Like, and I don't know if that's something they're actively going to be like investigating, or if they're yeah. just still, like, like, like on the nose, and like they don't even notice. Yeah, well, Mar- Marvel's never going to be able to investigate that in any meaningful wow. way, but. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah like i i also like there was the whole rumor about the thunderbolts movie and like they were going to be going to the savage land to get another vibranium meteorite mm. it's like pick one do one of those things you yeah know, don't do both yeah what's the point of having both adamantium and vibranium they're all they're like the same thing right like i don't know the comics too well but adamantium is a, a steel vibranium alloy and i don't oh. know why they don't just do that Oh, okay. Like, like that's what I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Like, it's it's a little bit of vibranium mixed with something else. So, I think that's I don't know why they have to complicate it. It also like, like I don't know about you guys, but like Tiamat when he got turned into the thing did not look like um, adamantium. It looked like I thought it was no. marble or yeah. maybe like <laughs> snow. Like I almost thought it was snow, like a glacier. And I was like, oh, good, global warming is fixing that too. <laughs> Wait, since since he's a celestial, shouldn't the island be around for like a long time, or is you it just like recent? I did not watch the movie. Watch the movie. So, like, you you actively do not know what we're talking about, so I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna explain it to you. Um, and also like it does kind of explain some of those rumors we heard, like Red Hulk being the president makes sense. Sure, um, the Israeli superhero character <laughs> 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 sense. I'm somewhat um. Man, I just also think it's so funny that Marvel's now only now trying to make Eternals canon. And it's like, I don't know if you want to. Like, that would seem like a movie no one liked. So yeah. like, I don't know if that's the move. Anyways, um, we've got some more superhero news from Aiden. Um, yeah. This isn't really... <laughs> Dude, so some, some of you may remember that on our Fableman's episode, I made a really good joke that nobody understood in which I referenced that, like, the plot of the movie is, is like, the does-he-know-Paul-Dano meme. And I said that to no avail. And on December 28th, <laughs> another user tweets out the exact same thing, and the comments, I kid you not, like, are... This is the funniest thing I've seen all week. You deserve an award for this. Late contender for tweet of the year. And then the last one, the funniest thing ever. (laughs) 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 The pain I feel right now. Just I I should have tweeted it, I know, but it still it still wouldn't have been seen. But man, that hurts to see. it's funny, like like the tweet literally. It's it's a picture of the thumbnail. Does he know Paul Dano? And I think the text is this is literally the plot of the fable. Like yeah. it's so basic, and it's exactly what Aiden said. <laughs> maybe they're a listener. Maybe they're they, they stole. Uh, yeah, maybe they fucking stole my thing. If if you're listening to this right now and you stole from Aiden, give me credit. Give it back. Yeah, give it back. Give him credit. Um. Anyways, we got. Some, give us a uh, five star review. 
also do that. <laughs> yeah, anyways, even if you didn't steal from me. Um, now, uh, we're going to head into the trailer park. <laughs> I hate that so much. Um, we got a trailer for M. Night Sh- Shyamalan's latest movie, Knock at the Cabin. Um, oh, yeah. Which I think it's based on a book, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. And it's Dave Bautista, and he's got like a cult, and he invades uh, Jonathan Groff and his partner in the movies, and their their families like cabin getaway whatever and yeah he's like giving them an ultimatum i think one of them has to kill the other that seems like what yeah they, i don't know but yeah so i'm actually this is one of my hot film guy takes or whatever like in that i guess it's not that hot take but i love m night Shyamalan. in fact like i i like really really enjoy it. like signs uh six cents uh unbreakable even the village i think the village is fucking sick and that's like a badly reviewed movie and stuff did you did you watch old how was that uh old was cool it was like a little there's some problems with it but it was cool it was fun um but yeah i mean like and then i thought glass which was also one of his recent ones was terrible i thought that was a really bad one and this one really feels like to me like this is such a this is a good m night setting a cabin in the woods that feels up his alley i feel like uh kind of like wacky concept that like with like families and stuff i I, i'm i'm quite excited for this so yeah I have to say, like, I'm, I'm just trying to look it up, and I'm having a tough time right now. But, um, I don't know if I've seen maybe even one of M Night Shyamalan's movie. That's what I'm trying really? to check. And have you seen the Last Airbender movie? No, I didn't. Oh, that's did he, sorry. Movie. Did he do? There's no way that has to be a lie. So I'm what? just gonna pretend I didn't see that. Okay, here we go. Okay, M Night Shyamalan's director, uh, the movies he's directed. Praying, praying with anger, wide awake, the sixth sense. I still haven't seen that. I do want to. That's though. a great one. He, he. Oh, okay. He was involved in rewrites on She's All That. I did know that. Yeah. He wrote Stuart Little, which is something that <laughs> yeah. I have watched. <laughs> um, uh, Unbreakable. I haven't seen it yet. Signs. The Village. Lady great, in the Water. Great. The Happening. The Last Airbender. Um, After Earth. Okay, yes, I have seen After Earth. That one's bad. One with oh, it is bad. The one with um Will Smith and his son. Uh, he did the visit, split, glass, old. So like literally, After Earth is the only one that I've seen, and I didn't even know he did that one. After Earth is one of his worst movies. I would say that's that's, like, that's one of the worst ones he has. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So like, I obviously I'm not a fan, but like, I was interested by this trailer. I think it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um. And I mean, Dave Bautista for the win, like him yeah. playing, supporting like, like really interesting characters. Like I'm all for that. So I actually, this might be the first M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan movie that like I actively like go out to see because sure. I'm like, I'm intrigued right now. Also really like uh, Jonathan Groff. He's great. Watch Mindhunter. Great show. Um, Peter, did you watch this trailer? What'd you think? Dude, I thought um, <clears throat> I'm just not as moved by like the whole oh the world's gonna end stuff anymore more than that um and i and i feel like i really enjoyed the old trailer i didn't watch the movie but i thought like the concept behind how like just aging can be turned into like just rapid aging can be turned into horror this sort of like you know you think of aging then you think of death and then all of these things chaining together i thought like it's a very smart way to handle like a horror film but like this one like just the the concept alone 
didn't really grab me, but we'll see. I, again, I've I've never seen. I I've just checked Letterbox. I've seen zero, uh, M Night Shyamalan film. So well, if it's true to form, there will be a, a plot twist that will, will turn the film on its head. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. um, I I just have to say, like like old. I'm I'm the inverse of Peter because old. Like I was actively like, oh, this is an M Night Shyamalan. Like there's a twist, and like that's the whole thing. Yeah. I'm not interested in this because of that because it's so clearly M Night Shyamalan. Whereas yeah, there. There actually isn't a, there isn't a huge twist in old, not really. Well, well, There's no, like no, it's it's like the beats that makes you old. Like that's as far as a twist that I mean. Like I don't oh really sure, like, it's not like the I see dead people kind of twist. Like, oh, just yeah, like yeah. here's a weird scenario like that sure. I just kind of associate with M Night Shyamalan. Sure. Whereas this, I'm like, this actually just looks like a regular movie. That's yeah, a, yeah, totally. Now. So that's anyways. Um, there was also not a trailer, but a, a behind the scenes. Video. I, I get the feeling that like Oppenheimer saw the Mission Impossible behind the scenes video and was like, "We can top that." <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a, a behind the scenes video, and also it's explanation for the the news story that was cycling, yeah. which was that Nolan had dropped <laughs> a nuclear weapon, <laughs> like practically <laughs> for Oppenheimer, and it's it's not quite as long as the uh, the Mission Impossible one, which was like nine minutes. Mm-hmm. This was like a short two and a half. Which is actually nice. I, I didn't mind that, but um, but I just hate how like, they like in it. the clip they didn't explain anything. They just like, no, oh, this is the biggest yeah. stunt yeah. we ever done. Yeah. But I'm not gonna <laughs> tell you how we did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean really it's it's the prestige. The magician never reveals his secrets or something. Or maybe oh, yeah. there was a horrible incident, and so they're trying to keep it like <laughs> low profile. Like yeah, we did it. Fifty people die. <laughs> um, oh, what else was I gonna say? And it's up it to just, you to make their sacrifices worth it. So come see our movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was um, some of the shots they sh- they intersplice in the behind the scenes footage from the movie. Like those aren't from the atomic bomb going off. Those are CGI. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm, I'm almost certain some of those. Right. That's good. Right, like the ones that Aiden was talking about last week or last time we recorded. Because like, I mean, I feel like you like, can't really do like a mushroom cloud, cloud without like an actual big explosive device going off, right? It's called CGI. Um, yeah, like I'm yeah, hoping yeah. that's CGI. You know what I mean? No, I'm I'm pretty sure that was practical. <laughs> that was practical. Okay, okay. My God. The mushroom cloud, practical. I'm pretty sure. The pictures of like black background with like sparks and things swirling around yeah. i'm really doubting that that's real just because like it looks it. it looks like it's in a fake environment so yeah it does look very contained weird. for sure anyways uh my last bit of news relates to our movie and this is uh, hot off the press um apparently james corden was going to be in an adaptation of the whale like, because this is a play. So he was originally going to play Charlie some yeah. time ago. And I just have to say, thank God he didn't. <laughs> like, like, I mean, we'll get into how we feel about this movie. But by God, that would have sucked yeah. so bad. Yeah, um, that would have, like, again, we'll get into it. But that would have stripped away one of the most redeeming parts of this movie. That would have been, like, a truly insufferable movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as I just mentioned, we, we watched The Whale this week. Uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky, uh, based on a, a screenplay by Samuel D. Hunter, 
uh, adapting his own 2012 play of the same name. It stars Brendan Fraser, Sadie Sink, Hong Chow, Ty Simpkins, who is the kid from Iron Man 3. He is, okay. And Samantha Morton. Uh, the DP is Matthew Libetique, who at first I was like, oh, I wonder who this guy is. You have definitely seen some of his movies. He's done every Aronofsky movie, as far as I could tell. Oh, yeah. He did Don't Worry, Darling. Oh, really? Oh, yes. That was did, a pretty movie, actually. He did so. Birds of Prey, oh, yeah. both Iron Man 1 and 2. Not 3, though. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, together, so got, together, they're together. the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> Iron Man reunion. <laughs> movie. Um, and he did Venom. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> He's got a wide degree yeah. um, of projects under his belt. Uh, it's uh, distributed by A24, and it has a runtime of one hour and 57 minutes. Uh, and funny enough, I was not able to find what the budget was. Um, so we'll oh, really? never know. <coughs> yeah, I don't know. It um, couldn't have been like insanely high. It's like I one like, so. yeah. It seems seems low budget. Um, yeah. But before we get into that, we are going to do our classic game, Predacritic. Uh, this is a game where um there's there's an internet website where there's just, one of them internet websites yeah, yeah. you know the, the type and basically like critics have their scores of a movie and then they're averaged out out of 100 if it's 60 or above it's green if it's 80 or above it's must see if it's in the 50s it's yellow and if it's in the 40s or below it's red so we're basically going to guess where the whale lands in that metric um and I have a little wheel, a wheel of names. And oh, it's yeah. going to tell me who goes first. So oh, let's yeah. spin the wheel. Wee, spinning the wheel. This is very entertaining for <gasps> me and the only. Yeah, and all the audio <laughs> listeners. You can just rig the result. It's Aiden. Aiden gets oh. to go first, whether Shit. he likes it or not. Shit. Okay. Um, so immediately I'm thinking like in the 50s, 60s range. Uh, that's, where my, that's where my head's instantly going. I don't know if, like, the Renaissance is going to, like, bump this a little bit, maybe. And so, hmm. There are good things about this movie. There are things to like. There are a lot of things to like. I could understand how someone would really like this movie. But I feel like most critics didn't like it that much. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Just give us a score, man. Just American accent. Like, yeah, 63. Oh, I gotta spin my, my wheel of names again. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> this is so entertaining for me. Uh, Peter gets to go next. This, that's good for you, though. Why do yeah, you say exactly. I, I, yeah. I keep forgetting which um, is the best spot to go. 65. Okay, fuck. I think I fucked up. I think you're right. I think it's higher than 63. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know I get to go. The number in my head, I'm just going to say this now, the number in my head was 67, and I didn't say it. So if that would have won, I just want that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Dude, we should have cool. like a our actual prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I just have to say thank you, Peter, because I'm gonna pick a clean 64 just so I don't lose because I don't like God. losing. Yeah. I won't win. I'll sacrifice yeah. the win so I don't lose. You should have just picked 64 and fucked me over, Peter. But anyways, um, so oh, now I have to do the next part. 
I keep forgetting my drum on here. Um, oh, come on. Do a drum, man. Come on. 64, 65. This has become a really uninteresting <laughs> game. I just guess the same fucking number. No, I think it's okay. more fun now. I think it's more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so actually, in a surprise turn of events, um, Aiden wins. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Back on top. The <laughs> whale got sixty. I'm glad I guessed what I guess. I would. I was gonna guess higher. Um, Yo, so- Chicago Sun Times gave the movie a hundred. That's fu- that's so funny though. That um, is crazy. How do you guys feel about sixty for the whale? I actually think that's I don't mind pretty, that. Yeah, I I, I, that's I don't accurate. mind that at all. I th- it's definitely warranted. I think. Yeah. Um. So let's uh. As as the as the winner, Aiden, I don't know if you remember what happens when yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been too long. You get to decide who goes first for the non-spoiler reaction, and yeah, well, you choose yourself. Which now that I've cool. crawled my way back up to the top of the mountain, I'm gonna go first for this non-spoiler review. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I got sixty. I agree with that. I since seeing it have changed my review uh, on Letterbox of it between three stars and three and a half about four times like i've wavered back and forth and i've now landed on three uh this is a three-star movie for me there is a lot to like there are uh, certain directing and cinematography choices i really like i actually quite like the look of the movie it has this kind of like this constant like rainy sort of like the, there isn't very much high key lighting and there isn't that much the characters stand out from the backgrounds, but at the same time, it's like there's kind of this more even lighting look. And I, I actually thought it was quite nice to look at, even though a lot of like people on Twitter will be like, oh, that's gray and shit. But I, I just thought oh, I think it's dumb. But anyway, I like the look of it. Um, I liked I thought Brendan Fraser was really, really great in it. I really loved his performance. Um, and then I thought that with the script, I think all the actors gave in pretty good performances, except for one that I'll get into that I didn't like as much. Um, but I didn't like the script very much at all. I thought, I did not know that this was based on a play going into it. And as soon as I saw that in the credits, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. This feels very much like a play. And I mean that in a bad way. The (laughs) dialogue is like, in a play, you can't have like inserts and stuff. And so like a lot of things need to be just like a lot of information needs to be given just in dialogue and there's too much over explanation in the dialogue i think this movie is a little overwritten i think there's one line in particular where one of the characters is talking to charlie the main character and he says something like oh i hate when you do that you're so annoying and it's like the second sentence is is nothing you don't need to say that you're over explaining at this point that should be subtext i understand you think he's annoying you're being annoyed by it and like there were a lot of lines like that where it was like this is too much this is too on the nose um in terms of script like i appreciate the themes of like honesty and and care i i like and what care looks like for different people but I also think that they weren't necessarily explored in the most uh, engaging way. And so I would give this three stars. I would not necessarily recommend this to somebody, although I do know multiple people who love this movie. Um, right, right, right. So, do you want to elaborate on that? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, I was warned before going into this movie that it's, like, very, very good, that it's great, and that it's, like, emotionally devastating that I was going to be, like, sobbing. Um, and that is not what my reaction was. Um, no, no offense to the people who 
<laughs> you told me that if you're listening if you're listening that's that's completely fair but that's uh but yeah um so yeah i i wouldn't necessarily recommend this i would say if you're a big filmy film person maybe i don't know just to see it just to see what the buzz is about the little buzz there is uh three stars yeah yeah just for filmy film people you were yeah. saying um something about play dialogue and i don't I remember talking about that. I'm having a deja vu thing, but I don't remember what that was. Um, uh, who should go next, Peter? Uh, I I think this is going to be a case of Alex and I having a similar take again, so I want to hear from Peter. We didn't even sit together this time. <laughs> no, I know, but like, I think we're, like, do we have a similar take to it? Pretty well. I didn't yeah. yet, so that'll be a, a spur-of-the-moment decision, I guess. But anyways, okay. We'll hear from Peter. What do you think? Uh, well, like, actually, I think we're all in agreement for this one. Oh, for the first uh, time. <laughs> we have the same take on a movie. I, I just think, like, to be honest, this movie, uh, like, again, I was sort of, sort of misled by, like, the whole Cannes Film Festival standing ovation thing, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, it got a standing ovation, everyone's clapping, you know, people are crying, it has to be good, right? <laughs> but, um, it it was not good. Uh, I I think like this movie has very few redeeming factors. It explores many themes, but it uh, it never goes in depth to a degree to get a actual um, not rewarding, I guess, but like uh, an actual meaningful catharsis at the end. Um, and like to me, I think the film's ending just felt really out of place. Like. Mm-hmm characters have just started to sort of gain an understanding of each other then the movie just ends uh which we'll get into in the spoiler section and actually i don't think i recommend this to anybody i think it's um uh like for me watching a film you watch it for like the story you watch it for the visual you watch it for to gain a better understanding of life or like the human condition um, this movie doesn't offer you any of that it doesn't offer you like a thrill of an action film nor does it offer you like a, an actual devastating or not uh, um, exploration of the human condition like some of the more artsy films so i honestly think this movie is is bad is i i i even i even like i feel i i lower my score once already from a three and a half to a three and i'm inclined to lower it again to two and a half i think the only good thing out of this movie, it's sort of like just to prove to the world that Brandon Fraser is a great actor and he can pull off like really demanding roles. But that's about it. You know, like I think that's about like the only thing I enjoyed from this movie because it's like whether you like him as an actor or like this film or not, there's no disagreement that it takes finesse for an actor to pull off a demanding role like this. And I think he did it flawlessly. So that's my right. No spoiler review. Did you? Sorry, I might have missed it. Did you recommend this or or no? No, you no, said no. You said I don't no. recommend this. Okay. Thank no. you. Um, okay. Yeah, we're we're pretty well all on agreement. <laughs> unfortunately, man, we should have got someone who disagreed with us. Um, <laughs> I okay. Here's my journey. So, also by the way, it was very funny. Like, as I was pulling up to the theater, I saw coming towards me. A, I won't describe it, but this <laughs> car is a very distinctive color and shape. Yeah. And so it was like, oh my fucking God, is that Aiden? <laughs> we didn't arrange to see it together. And so then he turns into the parking lot and I turn to follow. 
and he parks and I see you know, I see him get out of the car, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like even when we didn't <laughs> watch the movie at the same time. And I mean, it's also like there's it's only also, one theater. Yeah, but it's also it's not even like like usually that has happened before where we accidentally see the same one, but yeah. usually it's because it's like we had a similar class schedule and like we're seeing it on the same day, but like we just both <laughs> randomly decided on a Wednesday. Like Wednesday yeah, night. this is when we're, we're going to see it. Yeah. Random time, and mine was like so fucking last minute. Um, man, but it was very funny. Uh, I did not sit with Aiden, so the osmosis of opinions did not happen until we we came over with the same takeaway. Um, I think from the the opening shot gave me hope. Um, somewhere in the middle. I was like trying not to fall asleep. Oh really? No by way. End, by the end, I was laughing. So really? that's kind of my journey for this movie. Um, I think plain and simple, uh, the whale is Oscar bait. I think it's Oscar bait to get an award for Brendan Fraser. Which I mean, hey, if you want to get Brendan Fra- Fraser an acting award, go ahead. Like that—that's a noble pursuit. Um, I think it could get Hong Chow a supporting actor or actress. By the way, I tweeted about this. Like, I don't know why we still do actor actress yeah. in the Oscar. That's so weird. Doesn't make um, sense. Anyways, like she could get sporting. Um, maybe Sadie could get sporting. I don't know, but um, and maybe like I don't think this is something that gets Darren Aronofsky. Um, no, like best director. No. And this is this really should not be a best picture win. I mean, if we're following Coda rules, like who knows? All bets are off. But um, yeah, like I just think. Um, it's, it's very clearly based on the play. I did know that going into it. Um, so it, it, there wasn't a, a discovery element, but <clears throat> it's, it's so limited by the fact that it's a play and Darren Aronofsky doesn't do anything interesting with literally, like literally anything. It's, it's one of his most boring, it's a boring movie generally, and it's a boring Aronofsky movie. Um, I've seen, I think I've only seen of his um, Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream, both of which are like pretty intense movies. So this was very different for me, for him, like watching one of his movies. But um, I think, yeah, there's a lot like that he wants to pontificate about, but ultimately like as a, as a story about a character, it's just so uninteresting and he doesn't do anything with the character. It feels like a movie that's like, Hey, it's like, it's a movie that's trying to say, um, hey, fat people are human too, right? And like, like it, and it, it feels very much like that, like an, like a Hollywood movie trying to humanize people that like, and it's created by people who don't have, who aren't from that community, right? Like it just feels inauthentic, which is so funny for a movie that's trying to be about authenticity. Um, yeah, I mean, what else can I say? Um, I don't know. I think that I think that basically summarizes it. It's boring, uninteresting, um, which are practically synonyms. But um, <laughs> I think I think I would give it a three right now. Um, I could I could see someone giving it a two and uh, two and a half. Um, and I don't I wouldn't recommend this to people. I don't think people need to go see this. Um, I think it's just yeah, it's not a great movie. Um, so yeah, so now we've done our uh, our non-spoiler reviews. Somebody has to do a synopsis in mm-hmm. under two minutes. 
And it's not hidden. Let's go. This one actually isn't hard to do a synopsis. Yeah, I feel like this one's not difficult. (laughs) Not a lot happens, frankly, in two two hours. Um, So, Peter, are you ready? Yes. Count me down. Okay, here we go. In three, two, one, let's go. Okay, so Brandon Fraser's character, Charlie, uh, gets visited by, like, a missionary person <clears throat> when he was, like, choking and dying. And then uh, we, and then he's saved by, you know, reading a essay from his daughter uh, to, to him by the missionary. And then later on, Han Cho's character, which is the nurse, visited him, tells him that, oh, actually, you have congestive heart failure uh, because you're too big uh, and uh, you, you might die soon. So this sort of started Brand, uh, Charlie on a whole journey to reconnect with his daughter. And then through that journey, we find out more about his past, that um, he left his uh, ex-wife to be with a, bo- a guy called Alan, which goes to his night university program. But then Alan's family is very religious. So eventually that pressure got to him and Alan committed suicide. Uh, so Brandon Frazier, because of that loss, Charlie put on a lot of weight. And then that's why like he's, you know, he's big in the movie. And then as he's reconnecting with his daughter, he's, uh, he finds out that um, his daughter has creative writing talent, but also is sort of isolated from the world and also hates a lot of people. So uh, like through that journey, he kept trying to remind her that she's, she's amazing. She's, you know, she's perfect. She has the capacity to do good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we also have a scene of him conf- uh, and his ex-wife having a pretty loving conversation about like what happened all the years, you know, like sort of just reminiscing about the past. And then eventually um, he refuses to go to the hospital because he wants to save his, all his money, all his earning to his, uh, for his daughter. And he dies while his daughter reads uh, her grade eight essay on the whale to him. You yeah. still have 10 seconds. Yeah. Did I miss anything? I felt What's, like. What specifically yeah. happens at the end? Well, we don't know what specifically. He levitates what? into the yeah. light. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it. Um, yeah, you missed some stuff. So, uh, Sadie Sink's character, Ellie, Charlie's daughter, is really, really cruel and mean to people. She takes pictures of them and says mean comments on Facebook. Um, and oh yeah and the like, missionary thing yeah go for it yeah. and she's super cruel to um her dad because he because he left like what was it like eight nine eight, years ago yeah, or something yeah. and um what was i gonna say so like right around when she shows up the first time she's like walk walk over to me right now because she knows he can't and then at the end he tries to stand up again and he does walk over to her as she's reading her essay and then he levitates um i don't i don't know if there's much else we i mean hong hong chow's character liz is offended by the fact that he has money because he could have used that to save himself yeah well um, there's there's also a part where the missionary guy it's revealed he is not part of the church that he says he's a part of um and then sadie sink's character records him saying this and like gets a picture of it and the fact that he stole actually stole money from like his old church and he's all like oh no i can't go back home because my parents won't accept me and whatever and she like tracks down his old church and his parents and sends him the stuff and they reach out to him and say no you're good come home and then he does go home yeah i think i think between those the three of us i think we've nailed it i think that's all you need to know going into this
Okay, so now that we've done our two-minute synopsis, we're going to get into our spoiler discussion. So, spoiler warning. Pew, 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 pew. Oh, we had oh, fuck for you. I didn't do it. Late. Shit. We do things that are just Edit that in. Edit that in. Just sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, uh, back to the present. Um, oh, I was going to... Okay. Aiden and I were talking about this when we were leaving the theater, but it's pretty funny for, like... Or maybe not funny, but, like, ironic to be watching a movie about a person with, like, an eating disorder... And then just be like munching on popcorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. During the it's, eating scenes, I had the I had my drink in my hand, and I I like I just put it down, and I was like, "Oh no, never mind, never mind." It's and I had the opposite reaction. I was just like like eating my popcorn. I was like, "Oh, this is like kind of like funny and like ironic that I'm doing this." But I'm also like pretty hungry right now, so I'm just gonna keep eating my popcorn. My God. Um, <laughs> I'm terrible like that, though. Um, Peter, you had a point you wanted to talk about uh, the illusion of film festivals. Oh yeah, okay. We want to talk about this now. So I just want to say like how, um, in like a film fest context, where like a very select group of people and like very few reactions sort of like get circulated around the internet it's very easy to get misled into believing like what's good and what's bad. Cause like um, a lot of the films are like the, the can select, you know, they have that little palm leaf, the little uh, icon thing. And like most of them don't turn up to be that great. Like a lot of them are fantastic. Like uh, for example, like for me personally, triangle of sadness, I really liked it. And it was like, you know, cans film, Oh, got, got that whole ordeal going on but like, this one is also like another can select i think and which uh, it, it was cans it wasn't venice because i know uh, that like it, within what you're saying like joker i remember got like an eight minute standing ovation at venice which is it, fucking it, it might be it might be venice it might be venice and then um, i i also think don't worry darling got a standing ovation at venice is yeah i think i think it's just wild to see like i think like to them it's more about recognizing yeah. that you know we're all filmmakers so we appreciate like what you've done here you know instead of saying like oh this is a great fucking movie i'm standing up for this i i will say the few times i've been to a film festival it's a different kind of environment and it almost feels more like personal like because you know the people that made the film are like right there and so you're kind of like closer to it and gotcha i i think i look for things to like more when i'm there instead Mm -hmm. of looking for things to instead well not that i look for things to dislike when i normally watch a movie but instead of picking apart the way that i normally do i think i just appreciate it more yeah uh, but but like I, I think that's totally fair and that would explain it you know because uh like for me it's like when i see standing ovation i automatically associate it with oh this movie must be great if people are standing up and clapping for this and like there's this just huge shock when uh when you actually watch the movie you're like okay this movie is actually not that great how did you get a standing ovation yeah, <laughs> yeah. well also, i think that yeah blood but, I mean... also went to venice <laughs> so, like a lot of movies go there just you know it's it's interesting though that like it is it's different than like the film festivals i'm talking about are like very small like little, just little things i've been to like it's interesting that in big festivals populated by tons of critics that you get that reaction but uh i don't know yeah they I mean, just uh they stand up in the moment just to rip it apart moments later <laughs> it's like 50 percent terrible movie <laughs> sure i think yeah the um counting how long or like timing the standing ovation is just like a really weird practice that yeah. really has no real world like 
analog or like like it means nothing it's meaningless it never has meant anything and um yeah it's just weird i think also i don't know like i feel like the people who go to those early film festivals maybe it's kind of the same as like you know when like big disney movies or whatever had a a premiere and they invite all the people who are going to say nice things (laughs) to it like it could be like that a little bit i don't know anyways um our next point is uh the whale is obviously like a movie that's about fat people and that's the term that i just want to clarify that's the term that we've as a group have decided is probably the nicest word um it's it seems dubious on the internet uh, what's the correct word so we're going with fat yeah um if if we're wrong let us know we're sorry we're not trying to (laughs) we're sorry either way (laughs) um but basically and i don't really want to get into this too much because like i don't think we're the right people to talk about this but i just do want to throw out that the whale has been mired in controversy there are many who think it's very offensive there are many who find it actually a good portrayal yeah i don't think any of us have really the right background or you know anything to like say which it is um all i have to say is i don't think this is how a fat person would depict themselves i think sure in that that's just what i found yeah um i i think that i could totally understand someone thinking this is offensive i think it it's trying at the very least to come from like an empathetic place like i don't i don't mm-hmm. think it's like some movies where fat people are depicted it's like it's very much exploitative or like they're the butt of a joke or whatever so i like, I, like paul blart mall cop yeah yeah exactly like stuff <laughs> like that like yeah, yeah. Uh, but and i think this is just trying to be something more like and like you said i don't think i'm the person to decide if it is doing a good job of that or not yeah um i also know that some people find offense in that Brendan Fraser is like like they've added like a lot of prosthetic weight, which is sure. also interesting. I don't, again, I don't I don't know that we have anything to say about it, but I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, now something interesting that I realized pretty early on is that this does not feel like an Aronofsky movie, mm. like at all. I and I haven't seen very much of his filmography, but you know the ones I have seen are the very like volatile ones, <laughs> Requiem and uh, Black Swan. <laughs> And this is anything but volatile. It's yeah. very subdued and like, I don't know, like the cinematography like isn't that bad. Like it's pretty good. Um, just a little bit uninteresting, I think, as sure. a whole. Yeah. I didn't, I was kind of like, yeah, that was all right. It feels, I, did I already say this? Like it's the A24ification of Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> Yeah. Because it feels like more of an uh, more of an A twenty four movie than it does an Aronofsky movie. What did you guys did you guys feel that? I didn't pick up on exactly the A twenty fourification thing, but I did feel like, and I've seen very little of Aronofsky. I've seen the movie Noah, and then I've mm. seen like the first forty minutes of Mother, and I think I that's. Even... I didn't even know Noah existed until I started watching YouTube videos to get a sense of his style. Yeah. And then I saw the Gollums and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it seems I like couldn't a very t- interesting movie. I couldn't tell you like a thing about Noah because I don't remember much about <laughs> it. But yeah, in terms of the directing and cinematography, like I did, I liked it a lot of the time, but I agree they could have done more. Like I realized partly through it's like, oh, this is like the same 
kind of shots like over and yeah. over and over and over again and that's not necessarily a problem but i don't know i think in a movie that also isn't doing that much script wise it's a it's it's a lot of not doing that much in like every category of filmmaking and that's a little that's a little much like there's there's a you know what i mean like it's a lot of like oh these singles that are like fairly still um they move a little bit with some characters and then they'll have like these kind of like like shots that are high angle which were kind of interesting and then they often will like boom down um while tilting as well and then there's some where it's a bit of a a bit of a, a uh, an arc and then a bit of a pan but like it's a lot of like when there's movement it's shot this way when there isn't movement it's shot this way it's it's very lacking in style i think mm -hmm. it's kind of like they did the coverage that they needed to to get the scene filmed and i didn't really feel like too much artistry or voice to it i think i will say though i think that you can shoot something really simply and cover it really simply while it's still being like very impressive like um, and so one thing that I actually did quite like about this is that I don't remember the term for this, but I remember going over it in like my first year of film course is that uh, an interesting detail was that Brendan Fraser was never able to move out of frame. If I'm, if I remember this correctly, every other character, there's a moment where they get up and walk and they leave the frame, but in order for us to see Brendan Fraser move, it has to cut. And so it's like, he's boxed in, like he's never able to, escape what the camera is showing if that makes sense like other characters walk off of i i'm over explaining other characters walk off yeah. the frame brendan fraser isn't able to do that even in like singles sometimes if a different character is moving the camera follows them but in like uh or or no in in sorry in brendan fraser's signals the camera tends to follow him a little bit so he can never leave but then other characters dip out of frame a little bit sometimes and so that was a nice detail that i liked because um, it's like he's being enclosed in he kind of he lives in this isolated space and there's he doesn't have much power anymore that's interesting i actually didn't notice that at all um what was i gonna say um oh just like yeah the fact that like a lot of the shots are very similar there's that one shot that's in the trailer that was also like the poster the one that's like the only shot the marketing team was given it seems you know of of charlie just going like you know yeah it's it's one it's shot this is the only yeah. shot you've yeah. seen about yeah. the whale from the promotional yeah. materials and it and, is funny yeah no sorry well, well that's that's what i'm trying to say is that like there's so many shots in this that look exactly like that and i was like oh it's the shot and i was like wait <laughs> yeah. is, yeah. is that the it... shot and i was like oh that's just no no it's just very very similar like i had that exact times. moment where i was specifically looking for this uh moment in the trailer that I was like, this is going to be a good moment in the movie. And I was like, Oh, this is it. Oh no, no, no. no. Oh, this is it. Because it's like, it's a shot that like you see over and over again. And to yeah. be perfectly clear, I think there is, you do not have to be flashy with camera work and you, no, you, no, no, no. you don't have to be like varied, but there are like little subtle things you can do with directing and cinematography to break things up a little bit. And I, I think this movie could have done a lot more. And I mean, actually thinking, thinking about that, like, Thank God we didn't get like a requiem style montage. Yeah, that would have been bad. Charlie eating like that yeah. would have been that would have been probably kind of offensive or like awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, just well, okay. So what I picked up on, I was I was looking at um, 
those YouTube videos, like I said, like Aronofsky likes tracking shots a lot. Um, very like intense, like um, close-ups and stuff. And it's, it is very interesting that I, I just find, find it interesting that I didn't see Aronofsky in this at all. Um, which I mean, Hey, like a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I just, it is, it's a weird, it's a weird movie to be added to his filmography. I think, sure. I don't know if it fits what he goes for. Usually Peter, did you find like anything of note there? Well, like I've never, I've not seen a single film by him actually. Oh, yeah. Um, and like, to be honest, like we, we talked about this sort of like a 24cation of him. Like, I just think, like, A24 has, like, two styles. One is, like, this sort of, like, very mellow type of movie, which I think this sort of belongs to. And then the other one is just absolute batshit crazy type of movie. I do want to point out, though, that A24 is often not the production studio, and they're often... Yeah, like, they are... Distributing. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I don't think, like, it's accurate to say, like, it's A24-cation. Like, A24, I guess, like, in our eyes, is just, like the representation of the best of the indie filmmakers can offer. And like, maybe that's why we say it's a 24 occasion. Like well, I, yeah, I think, I think some of it. Okay. So they do produce films. I'm just seeing this now. So yeah, they, they do. do pro- but they generally do they distribute. Um, this was a, this was also produced by a 24. Okay. And distributed. So it was, this was produced by them. Um, but I, I do think that like also sometimes movies just fit their style sure and like might yeah be yeah made in that. such a way so as to ensure that they'll be distributed by a24 and get that acclaim with it hmm. um i'm just because i, at cause I think none of the a24 movies are like crazy on the uh like vfx front at least like i i, I guess everything everywhere at, all at once is sort of like yeah. an exception because like uh usually they are really great at making uh simple shots work i think like at least like from my A24 experience. I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at the, some of the films from this year. So uh, a year in review for A24, uh, and I'm I'm gonna skip over a bunch. But uh, after Yang, I think that fits the whale yeah. vibe wise. This oh, is just yeah. from a vibe sense. Um, X, that's and the batshit. Everything, everywhere, all at once, batshit. Men, batshit. Marcel the shell fits the vibe. Yeah. Bodies, bodies, batshit. Um, Pearl, batshit. Um, after, after sun, sun yeah. fits the vibe. Causeway fits yeah. the vibe. Sure. Um, but yeah, like like when I say a twenty four vacation, the movie starts o- off and you, you immediately notice. Oh, were you doing an aspect ratio? I don't know. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. And I was like, this is a this is an a twenty four movie. Yeah. Like, and that first shot. That first shot. I just keep thinking about like it's a great first shot, but that's that's an a twenty four first shot if you know what I mean, right? Like it's. What is very, the first shot? Can you remember? It's a very far away shot from like a hill of a bus pulling in and then oh, a character yeah. getting out and it's super far away. So like it's, um, you can't really see the details. And it's like, this is like the start of an A24. Yeah, sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't, like, like I said, I don't mind that. Like, I like that shot, but I didn't, yeah. I just find it interesting. Um, but as we've said, this movie is based on a play and I think that dictates the style more than anything else. Yes. Um, I, it's clear that um, just by, there's something about medium and format that dictates what kind of stories can be told. Absolutely. And The Whale is clearly created with the play format in mind 
it's a one room play. And then in translating that to the screen, Aronofsky, and as many, you know, people who've done this before in adapting a play, keeps it as a one room movie. And that doesn't really work almost ever. Um, it's just very limiting visually. It's hard to stay in the same spot for two hours and keep that interesting, I think. Um, um, I, I disagree with you on that one. I don't think I don't think that that's what the problem of adapting a play is. I think you can keep a single space interesting. I think this movie just doesn't do much to do that. Um, like like we were saying, like it frames almost every single in the entire movie the exact same way. Frame them mm-hmm. differently. See what happens. You know what I mean? Like you can play with lighting a little bit. You can you can do a lot with one space. I think my problems with this being based on a play are largely dialogue, which I've talked about a little bit already. Where it's just it's too much. It's trying to give too much information specifically through dialogue. It's also the blocking of this movie. Like characters feel like they get up in such a staged way, and there are some moments where. There's specifically a moment where a character goes to the door and they hold on it and they're just like holding the knob and I was like, this is so directed. Like this, this is this feels like that she was Ooh, told go Sadie? to the door and hold the handle. That's yeah, what it yeah, feels yeah. like, and I think it it feels like a play. Like where I think whenever I've watched a play, everything feels staged, obviously because it it's a play. But, but like there's in a play, there's less of an illusion of like immersion of like you're there with them. You know what I mean? Like you're when you're watching a play, you're always aware you're watching a play. And this that's what didn't work for me here is that I was always aware I was watching a staged, uh, directed action. And I never felt like that made it very hard to connect with the characters. And this movie is banking on you really feeling and getting getting close with the characters. Well, I think that's a great point, because I because I I felt like there's something off of the movie when I was watching it, but I couldn't really pinpoint what. I think you just uh, hit it on the head there. Um, like, I think in a play, you're vi- like different mediums uh, have different methods of capturing the audience because the play, you're sort of, you're in the live environment and then there's only so much like you can change in terms of the set and the costume and stuff. Like there are, only, there are limited ways for you to engage with the play. But in a movie, you can play with camera angle, where, like how the audience is watching it instead of just like on the characters themselves right so i i think i think that's like one of the big gripes i have with the movie to be honest is that um like when you are translating play to movie you don't need to you know just like film a play per se like use the advantages that you have of this being a movie instead of you know a play yeah have you guys ever seen the the death of a salesman movie no but no. i did read the it's play. It's it's bad because it's like it's the same thing. It's a filmed play. Yeah, and, yeah. That's what this movie feels like. It feels like it's in a um a bardo, if you will, between play <laughs> and film. <laughs> bardo is is like synonymous with limbo, and also is a movie that just came out. Um, anyways, um, I was gonna say, oh, Aiden, you were talking about a character who walks to the door, like Sadie Sadie Sink does that like five different times yeah. in this movie. I think also she, the mom does it. Oh, she does it too. I think she does it <laughs> no. too. Yeah, like so, it's hereditary. It's just it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also a movie produced by A twenty four. Oh um, yeah. Um, uh, but like basically, like a character will like storm out and like seem like they're about to leave, 
usually they'll stop like inches in front of the door uh-huh. as yeah. if they were gonna like phase through it like yeah. like just walk right through the door because they're not reaching for the doorknob so they yeah. knew they were gonna stop at the door before going right or i think sometimes sadie sink will open the door but like like stop like she's not going out and it's very clear that she wasn't intending to it's very silly and yeah very play play like um which is weird because that shouldn't have come across it's like that's what would happen if a if a director who usually directs for the stage then tried to direct a movie like yeah. that's where i would expect that not if a play was being adapted and you had darren aronofsky yeah it's so strange i don't know why that that is um yeah it's weird um but you did talk about something else that i wanted to talk about um the dialogue that is something that is clearly from the play yes um, like a byproduct of it and it's it's very strange um you noted that it's a little bit too much exposition and a little bit explainy my problem was just like the way people talk is so weird Mm. like I, i i said this to you as we were leaving but there's this one um scene where the pizza man is talking to um to charlie and he this is this is the the dialogue they have okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for you guys. Okay. So the pizza man says, Dan. And Charlie says, What? And the pizza man says, My name. It's Dan. And like like that's not how people that is, talk. That is very play. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's that like feels... they're always setting up like a call and response kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Like they they're they're purposefully speaking in kind of like abstract or um what's the word? Like like not misleading, but lacking in clarity. Like they purposefully speak without giving away details. So like, instead of saying, my name's Dan, by the way, which is how people talk, he's like, Dan, like to purposely throw confusion into the mix. I don't know. It's so strange. Yeah. To have like a cute little moment, to have like a a Sorkin moment. Yeah. Sorkin (laughs) would never do that. I don't know. Sorkin would do that. Yeah, absolutely. You think? It would be it would be embellished more, but I, I guess the reason that comes to mind is because Sorkin was a playwright originally. Oh, okay, I guess I don't know. I feel like I would expect that more from Martin McDonough, who's also a playwright. But sure. Um, anyone have any thoughts on that? Or I, I've oh. said what I need to say. Yeah. About you said your piece. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think also this kind of has to do with dialogue, but um, I feel like a lot of the movie is characters pontificating about things. Yeah. specifically like a lot of it is about religion and you know missionary work and um this idea of like being authentic and honest and i feel like there's more of a focus on delivering the author's viewpoint instead of you know creating a character and then taking them on an emotional journey i just found by the end i didn't actually have a good sense of like charlie and yeah his struggle or any sort of journey he was supposed to be going on. Like his whole, what it seems to be setting up is that he needs to write his daughter's essay and he's going to try and connect with her despite doing this thing that he probably shouldn't be doing. And we, we don't ever see him try to write the essay or have anything to do with that. We never see. And this is also um, has to do with my point about it clearly being a play. We never get like flashbacks, which I mean, you don't have to. Some people don't like flashbacks, but 
I think that would have been maybe a good idea to like. We get a very brief flashback. Yeah, we got the ocean yeah. flashback. I, yeah, you're you're right. You're it right. is you, technically you get, a flashback. It's yeah. technically a flashback, yeah, yeah. but it's like two shots. Yeah, and like I was like, that's it. Like that's you're not going <laughs> to do anything else with that. I never. We never get to see Alan, and like, sure, there's points to doing that, but I was just like, I don't. Un- there's no character journey here, and also, you know, flashbacks would have been great so that we can get out of this fucking apartment for once. Mm. I don't know. It's it's very strange. Yeah, I I had the problem of, I I also agree that like there were things Charlie did that I didn't get a good sense of, where I felt like it wasn't explored enough. They have these themes, and I feel like they don't explore different avenues of them very much. And then there are certain character moments that didn't make as much sense to me. Like, I didn't really get the him walking to his daughter at the end. I get that it's like she's important to him. Uh, Well, okay, now that I'm saying it loud, it's like she kind of believes that he doesn't care about her because she has this insecurity because he left. And then it's like, no, look, I'm doing this for you. Okay. I get it. <laughs> it just, just went through it in my head. But like, it's like, that one's more like a bookmarking, like, okay, he can't do the thing now. Yeah. It's like conquering. And then at the, the end, yeah. we're going to, instead of doing a character journey, I'm going to show you the two benchmarks. Like he can't walk yeah. now, but at the end he will push through and walk anyways. He didn't okay. actually like, that's what felt weird to me in the middle. Okay. Right? That, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is that there's nothing that like, like he doesn't even seem to want to walk for like most of the movie. So it's like, why is this something he wants to do? Like, I don't know. And I, I feel like it's fine to have a character that has a somewhat flat character arc. Cause I feel like Charlie doesn't have to realize that he thinks his daughter is amazing. And he doesn't have to realize that like, Oh no, she's, she's amazing underneath like he knows that from the beginning and i think that's okay you can make a character that doesn't have to have a res- revelation but instead causes the characters around them to have a revelation but i feel like all of those were super underdeveloped except for maybe the daughter and even that i didn't really feel anything particularly strongly about mm-hmm. wait you thought the daughter thing was dubbed well i thought that was no. like the, the worst but part i'm saying the daughter is the only character that like really seems to change a little bit or like undergo some sort of change as a result of her interactions with charlie that's what i'm saying though because i don't think she did is it okay if we get into this right now or um yeah we can talk about it i don't i also don't know if she really changes like i feel like it's a last minute maybe but no i i agree it's not developed well but i think like think about the other characters like there's nothing definitely not you know what i mean like it's the only one where there's a little bit of that the missionary the missionary is the only one with a proper old-fashioned character arc that is true like 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 in in my opinion you know how like uh charlie frames like the whole oh she wasn't trying to expose you she's trying to just get you home she's amazing and it's like (laughs) no like i really don't see that that. like i genuinely think she's trying to fuck the guy over because that's like, oh, really? based on, like, what we saw and what we've seen, like, that is just her character, you know? Like, she... I disagree with you there. Like, I think, I think like, in, in that, like, she wasn't trying to help him. She connected with him for a second, but the fact that she sent these things over, I don't think that's what she's expecting, you know? I, yeah, along those lines, I don't... Hmm. I think she is being mean on purpose, maybe not to the missionary, so maybe like that's the change because like at the beginning with the the whole Facebook post, 
I don't I don't see those as her being nice or honest and just being like like having people misconstrue that. Like I think she's actually yeah. just being like an asshole. Um, no, for sure. So like I don't I don't know that she does. I think she's like starting to change, but we kind of. I don't. I don't know. Maybe her reading the essay is her changing. I that's think. what I mean. Like, well, that, well, like, no, no. Because no, I, I no, 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 let me go. Let me go. When, <laughs> okay. when we first see that character, she would never have done that. Like that much is true. When we for our first introduced her, yeah. she never would have like called him dad, and she never would have read it. I'm not saying it's built up to super yeah, well. Okay. I don't think it is. But like, she does things that when we first see her, she never would have done. And so there's clearly like some semblance of an arc there. Well, okay, I think that's fair. I actually think like him dying at the end completely undermines that. Cause because like humans act differently according to the context and scenarios that we're in. And the fact that, you know, she thinks that she's supposed to, you know, be nice to him because it's a dying man in front of her that clearly loves her. But she but, doesn't like, care. Sorry, yeah, sorry. but I genuinely, I genuinely think that at the end it was really forced and sort of undermines the movie a bit because like the whole movie is about you're supposed like like in, in we're in an era where it's really difficult to be authentic, but at the end because the mo- the the moment doesn't feel earned, it actually feels really inauthentic for her to do that thing for her dad, where I, like. You, you you don't really see like the growth you just see like the big jump at the end and that big jump just makes you think that this instead of being like her realizing that i have this loving father in front of me it's more like oh shit this person's dying she's supposed he's supposed to be my dad i better do something nice you know like that's so, how i felt i i disagree with you there i think that the point of this movie and this is also one of the reasons why the writing ones are being underdeveloped because because they didn't figure out how to weave this properly the point of this movie is that people cannot help but care for each other it is so deeply ingrained that's in okay if it's explained it, that way then it, it, yeah it, it works it is, <laughs> it is it is so deeply ingrained in us that even though we are hurt and even though we feel like people don't care about us, which leads to inauthenticity, we cannot escape the fact that we care. Okay, so I deep. really like that. We cannot, I think- right. Let me finish. We cannot escape the fact that we care about each other. So I think what the end is supposed to be is she finally is able to strip away some of the inauthenticity because it's, and I, I think the reason is we don't really know like why, why is she doing that in this point? Is it just cause he's dying, but he's been dying the whole time. So like, wh- like, I don't know. I-, I think that's a little silly, but like, that's what the point of it is. Like the reason she's an asshole and the reason she like pretends she doesn't care is cause her dad left her. And so she doesn't think people care about her. And, but regar- well, regardless, she still cares about people. Yeah. It's- I think that's a great way to just sum it all together. Cause like we see similar moments throughout the movie, right? Just like, the whole door thing we mentioned, it's about like how people, it's like, your people can't help but care for, you know, Charlie, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead of just rushing out the door, they come back, you know? Like we see that in Liz, we see that in his wife, you know? Um, I, that, that's a good way to- The missionary it. too. The, and I one of the things I liked, sorry, Alex, I, I'll, I'll make this quick. But um, I, one of the things I did like about this movie is that I think people show care in different ways. I think it like if you think about the ways that the nurse cares for the daughter, the missionary, like it is a lot of it is just like being there for Charlie, but like specifically the way that they interact with him, I thought there was some differentiation there, and I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, but Alex, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, like, I think when you say, like, stri- um, I keep calling her Sadie. Um, Ellie. Ellie has to strip away the layers of authentic- uh, inauthenticity. Like, that's that's just another way of saying coping mechanisms, basically. Like, yeah. she's yeah. put up these barriers because her dad left her, and it's made her into kind of like, I don't know, like, she feels like she needs to, like, insult people, or I don't know. She's kind of she's a very interesting character and more interesting than Charlie for sure. But um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I I think that um, like fuck, what was I going to say? You said something and it triggered something. Oh. Uh, Peter oh. actually has a point that he'd like to make. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. <laughs> I'll read it out. So Peter in our chat here um, in our little what do you call this Zoom platform? has decided to type into the group chat, I take away your disguise. Oh my god, I did the accent! Muffin <laughs> Thunder. Um, thank you. Yes, that um, is, that's very much... Dude, that just cool. reminds me of that line for some reason. I actually did the accent. Holy shit. The other point I did want to make is that I feel like this gets in the way of writing is because the characters are almost designed in such a way that they don't change other than they're just kind yeah. of revealed no, like that's what we're talking about yeah that that's what the point is is that they're supposed it's supposed to just be revealed at the end that they all care about each other and that's what all i think that's what all of their arcs are supposed to be that more or less mm-hmm. in the end and the writer didn't figure out how to make this how to make it still feel like they Meaningful. were yeah. like they were learning things and like it took several steps for them to get to that point I think, I think, but like, if we lean from your point, which is like, you know, regardless of who you are, you have this ability to care. And like, you are sort of like, you are unable to not care for people, you know? And like, the whole point is, I guess, like, like, even though they don't change as people, they are like, they are sort of revealed to still care for each other. And like if if they change, then we can credit this sort of caring towards the change instead of this sort of like fundamental human condition. Um, and like I guess like it, it, like if if this point if that's like what the movie is trying to say, then you can't let the characters change. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think is a problem. You can still write that well. Like a revelation can still be a, an interesting character arc mm-hmm. where it's just like you're just uncovering something that's always been there. But it's, yeah, 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 absolutely. I just don't think it's it's developed well. Yeah. Um, I think we're gonna move on from this point. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't, I'm interested to see what you guys think, but for the like, I don't know, like first half especially, like I feel like the characters are written to be so like unnecessarily cruel to charlie mm. and like just say like the most mean things like sadie obviously but even hong chow's character liz is just like she's, what does she's liz not do? that nice she says some mean things um i don't know like just some of her comments are like why why are you saying that well, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I did understand the point of, like, she's, again, she's frustrated and annoyed by him, which she says out loud, and she shouldn't, but she says this out yeah. loud, because she cares about him, and he's, like, hurting, and he's not doing anything to to ameliorate his condition. And so it's, like, I understand. I think it's not written well, because it's, like, that's not necessary. I don't think that's how that frustration would get expressed, but I think that's the reason yeah. why it's there. But I, I might agree with you that I think it's a it's overboard sometimes where it's like, okay, 
Like that that's and I think what I really didn't like, there are moments where she switches like that. She says something super fucking mean, and then like the next moment they're like cuddling. And it's like Oh hung yeah, Liz, yeah, yeah. And it's like I don't know about that one. Yeah. Um what else is there to say about this movie? Um this well there's no way to segue this. Um <laughs> Sadie writes a haiku. Or Ellie Ellie yeah. writes a haiku. That was probably like the first moment of the movie that I was like, oh I like this. I really liked that moment. Yeah, I, like I was haikus. gonna say. Yeah. Um did you guys pick up on it before he did? I don't know. No, I no. I didn't. I didn't. It, it wasn't until he he reread it that the moment he put like one finger up, I was yeah. like, oh okay. But so, yeah. somehow I was like, oh that's a fucking haiku. Like I was like, yeah. I was furiously <laughs> counting in the theater. I was like, oh I'm gonna get it before he does. Um, it's very uh, it's very hunt for the people. I yeah, think I that. like that movie. I love that movie. They do yeah. that joke better, but um, I don't know. Uh, again, with like the writing thing, like I wish that was more about the more of the story. Yeah, you know, make Sadie write make him write yes that would be, be great talking about writing and then they just don't if we know? saw more of sadie's writing that would have been such a good uh that would have been such a good plot device to to right. or character device to learn more about her but yeah. instead it's just like two hours of people yelling at charlie to stop <laughs> to go to the fucking hospital <laughs> yeah it's, it's not even it's not to like stop like eating as much or change like it's literally just go to the hospital and there's it's, like not yeah yeah i don't know man um Sadie is also evil on Facebook, which I found very funny. Yeah, she's very evil on Facebook. Like, yeah. like I mean, we know that um, this is taking place at least twenty sixteen, probably closer to twenty fifteen, or or maybe it's if if no, she's twenty twelve, but if she's uh, a high schooler on Facebook, this has got to be like a decade ago. Well, that's know? that's not what I'm basing it on. It was the news feed, Fox News. Yeah, feed. it was talking oh, about oh, Ted true. Cruz and, and Ted uh, Cruz and isn't Trump on there? And they're yeah, talking Trump about was in like there. the election. So I was like, this is like 2015 or 2014. That's and I don't think kids were on Facebook. Yeah, I was just, I did pick up that is too late for a 17 year old to be on Facebook. Yeah, at least or uh, for it to be her wrong, main but... her main like social media thing. Yeah, that's too it late. Did, like that's Instagram, baby. Like yeah, that's where yeah. you're posting your edgy photos. Like I don't mm. know why we were doing Facebook. Absolutely. Or they could have done a. I think that's like the Ask FM era, is it not? Like do do oh, that shit. I don't even remember <laughs> that. Oh god, that was a while ago. Um, but yeah, that's just a funny detail. Um, this uh, actually, well, while we're on the Fox News, I feel like that was kind of interesting. That they, yeah. that they put that on there. I think because they're definitely. Like, they mention Trump, don't they? I feel like they that... do. They yeah. do. Okay, yes. thank you. I just wanted to be sure. I feel like that ties into the um, the kind of like inauthenticity and helping thing. Like I think, I think it's the idea that, you know, those that kind of person is pretending like they're helping, but it's like inauthentic help, mm. right? Like it's actually for personal gain. Yeah. When you know the the working class people like who do vote that way often think that they are being helped. And that's why. So I like how that actually does really tie into the themes. Uh, I saw, I agree with you there. And I also saw it as like, it's kind of like one of the reasons people like become inauthentic or uh, maybe that's not the best word to use, but like one of the reasons that people like put up defense mechanisms is like this fear of impending doom of the world. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. you like, you know, like you watch the election and like, that just makes you anxious because it's like, psychopath versus like war criminal <laughs> and i gotta vote for one of them <laughs> like yeah um 
and yeah, I, I think it, I think that it also tied in that way. Okay. The, uh, that reminds me of White Noise. Wait, is that just New Life Church? <laughs> the impending doom of the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It um, also tied it. It also, I think the religious ideas of like the apocalypse also tied in that way. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about the missionary and religion and New Life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is kind of jumping around, but I really like that, you know, despite that it's mean, um, the fact that, what's his name? Do we have do we have a name for the missionary? What's his actual Thomas? Name? Thomas. Thomas. Yep. And do have, oh yeah, he is Thomas. Okay, I like the I like the idea that Thomas, despite being a missionary and despite wanting to help people, has not actually changed his opinions, his religious opinions. So mm-hmm. like he still thinks that um, Charlie is a monster, not because he's fat, but because he's gay, right? Yeah. Like. I was like, oh shit, we're actually doing this. Okay, yeah. yeah, let's let's do that. Okay. Yeah, let's explore this. I I so I was I was kind of like pleasantly surprised, like, oh, you're actually gonna acknowledge that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um I almost found that like Sadie, like the most interesting characters in this movie are not Charlie, which fair enough. Like you don't have to have the main character be the most interesting, but yeah. there's a there's a, a hidden complexity complexity there yeah um, in that character well that's and that's what i'm talking about like he thinks that what he's doing is caring for him when he's like trying to save him like and that's what i mean by like people show it in different ways and it's it's coming from this like base urge to care but then there are external things like religion and and impending doom of the world and fears and anxieties and being hurt yourself that like that make it come out in different ways and yeah, yeah i i that was a part of the movie i liked yeah yeah, it's like it's care with not rules, but like um, I don't, I can't think of the word, but like, like you only get the care and the help if you conditional, conditional. That's exactly it. It's conditional care. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that's actually pretty interesting. Again, mm-hmm. doesn't you know? I think every time we we talk about the themes of this movie. We're just going to say like, you know, yeah. I wish they had explored it better or more, but yeah. Um, it is, it's interesting, you know, um, Peter, did you have any thoughts about the religious aspect? Uh, I just thought like, it's interesting how, like if we look at the main characters, religion sort of ties all of them together, I guess, except for Charlie's family, you know, uh, like, like his lover. Cast doesn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like half the characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, well, like, I was more the thinking. The other two characters are <laughs> missionary. I, I was, I was more guy. thinking um, oh, yeah. the missionary, uh, Liz, Liz and Liz's Charlie. family, and then Charlie. Yeah. Oh sure, I guess the, yeah. the, like in that way. Um, but like, but, but like, uh, I think like Alan is actually like a very interesting case where like. You know, mm-hmm. where like you've been devoted to this religion, this sort of like model follower almost for a long time. Then you discover that, hey, actually, like some some of my core values are fundamentally against the religion. And you, so you just have this huge identity crisis on what to do. You know, like I wish like there's a little more context or like a little more story on what like Alan was going through, because I felt like that's very interesting where um, like, you know, like being like a like a gay man in a religious family like how do you reconcile with that and like you know i i think that's an interesting point and i think i would have liked it not if they dived into alan a bit more but they talked about charlie's 
relationship with religion a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. that would have been yeah. an interesting way to flesh out those ideas. And again, like they don't really that much. Yeah. Like he's held on to the Bible, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. was it because, you know, he loved a man who was religious and it was important to him. So it's important to Charlie, you know, like he's stuff like that. But I feel like we're not given enough to really chew on there. And exactly. again, like you yeah. said, Alex, this is what we say about like, every part of this film where it's just it's yeah. it's not explored that much and then there's also the highlighted paragraph in the bible talking mm-hmm. about how like you know when you strip away the flesh you can ascend this sort of thing i think like i i still really don't really understand like i guess like one aspect is sort of like this physical limitation that charlie's in but also like it's highlighted by alan this paragraph it's sins so. sins of the flesh is the gay stuff i think oh okay okay That's because fair. the human it's the <laughs> what a way to describe it but um it's like because that that comes out when um when he's when charlie and thomas are arguing right like that comes back i think yeah so and it's and that's when it becomes clear like oh it's not that you think that it's because charlie's bad it's because he was gay or is gay you know like um I don't know. What else can we talk about? There's a bird. There's, There's a, a bird. bird in this movie. Another and thing where I was like, so he, he's like a nice guy. Charlie's okay, like a okay. nice guy. Honestly, <laughs> I, I really, I really like the bird. Um, really? What because was the broken we see... plate about? That's my question. Yeah, I have no idea what the broken plate is about. Um, Good. Okay, like, so we just don't know. <laughs> we, we, see, we see like multiple points of the movie. Charlie's inability to care for himself like whether it's making healthy decisions or just like you know like this sort of like mental conflicts that he's constantly in like should i just say fuck it and just like eat whatever i want however i want or like like you know like i i really like the one scene where he pull out the the drawer and then he reaches to a chocolate bar and then he opens the wrapping and then he throws the bar back in and pushes the draw in. But then later on, he sort of realizes, like, I don't have that many days to live. So pulls out the bar and start indulging in the chocolates. But then, like, despite, like, he's in such a condition where he is unable to care for himself and that literally results in his, like, impending death, he still is able to sort of care for a, a creature in nature, you know, like an animal. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I feel like we're in I <laughs> we're in icy territory. I think he can. Yeah, I think he's able to care for himself. I think it's more that he just hasn't been looking after yeah. himself. Like he's he's always thinking about other people before he thinks of himself. Like he, you know, he's not going to spend money on himself to to help him. He's going to save that money for his daughter instead. And I, and I think there's. There's something to be said about, like, I think he's disgusted by himself, and I don't think because of his weight, I think because of, like, decisions he's made, and because of, like, people he's let down, and I actually thought that that was kind of, like, a thing that's fairly subtly explored, like, because he... Mm -hmm. He keeps asking people, like, are you disgusted by me? And I think part of that is asking for honesty, like, he wants them to be honest, like, because a lot, like, people in general are fat phobic and i think he like knows that and so it's like he's asking people like and he knows that a lot of people that see him are like a like have some disgust for him because just because of that but i think that it is also like it is an internal thing that because of how he left his family and how his daughter's grown up like he has a bit of self-disgust just because of 
the decisions he's made. Actually, yeah, no, I think I think that's one of the few things the movie explores well is the idea that he's he feels like a a monster because of yeah the the fact that he left his family and. I don't have much more of a point than that, I guess. But <laughs> I, like, I do like the way that that, was, that that was played out as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, okay, I'm just looking at my points. I think, yeah. Let's just, okay, let's jump into this. Um, Oscar moments. Like I said, I think this is an Oscar bait movie. And there's just, I think what this movie is, is a couple of scenes that are, meant to create clips that will be played before you know brendan fraser for best actor and then it plays those particular clips from the movies like can you like can you guys remember which ones they are it's the i i i want to do one last thing one good thing i need to know i did one good thing in my life before i die like there's that one well there's also the conversation with uh his wife where he's talking about like people is amazing people are amazing amazing. which i actually do like that moment a lot i i very much like the way brendan fraser plays that moment and i actually like the way that moment is written i don't like that it's in the trailer because you know that it's coming but yeah i think it's it is an oscar it's oscar it's it's yeah i I mean, I think Brendan Fraser's great in this. I yeah. think I think most of the cast are doing a great job, um, but I do feel like the scenes are a little contrived mm-hmm. and yeah. for your consideration. You know, like, <laughs> like, I feel like the whole movie sets that up. It's it's the uh, what do you call it? The Brendan Fraser Renaissance. The the Renaissance. Renaissance. Yeah, which I'm 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 generally on board with. You know, he's, I, a, he's a cool I, guy and he's yeah. deserving of it for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. Dude, um, also, I'm just very happy that Hong Chao is getting the recognition that she's, she's getting, like she's year. getting to re- mainstream. You know, I've all I've liked her since uh, she's been the Watchmen, and oh, yeah. and then uh, this. In, oh yeah, she was, she was okay, Lady Chu. Like, what do you in, know uh, her from? Because I don't even know. Yeah, she was Lady Chu in uh, Watchmen, which is fantastic. Okay, yeah. Um, and then this year she has like two mainstream movies out. Well, I guess the whale is not really mainstream. This and uh, the menu. So she was in the third yeah. thing, right? Am I, am it, was, I, it was the. I think it's coming out in twenty twenty three. So like, uh, um, but it's the Kelly Reichardt movie. She, she's also in that. Oh, okay. But, but like I said, I think I think it. You know, it's one of those tricky things where it's like it's listed as a twenty twenty two movie, but won't actually. It's not out yet. Right. right. You know. Um, oh, she's also in Asteroid City with Wes Anderson. That's crazy. Mm, yes. Okay. Oh, um anyways the movie ends and um what's his name brendan fraser ascends to the yeah. and then we dip to white and then he's at the beach uh with say with ellie as a kid oh did that happen i might have forgotten you don't yes. oh yeah yeah well i, I started laughing when he started descending i was like seriously yeah this is how we're ending that is it's a cornball just... ending yeah thank you okay i was like yeah. this is so fucking silly and then, you know, like, Darren Aronofsky. It feels Dude, like... I thought that was really funny. When his name appears, I, and I literally was like, oh, oh, fu-. I I was not expecting the movie to end at that point. I was, like, aware of the time, and I was like, it's gotta end soon. Yeah. And I did... Re- I, I, oh, I don't remember what it was, but I did recognize a plot point that was leading up to the end where I was like, oh, okay, this is like... Oh, the argument between... Um, him and the mother, I think, like that's like a mm-hmm. big like dark thing. side of the soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I was like, okay, 
and then so now we're but that was like one of the only ones i i'm i'm bad at it but those are the only ones i picked out and so i was like really surprised that that was how it ended i i was uh, i think i was counting the time too and i was like hey when is this over i, I wasn't enjoying myself but um uh yeah i when it was ending i was like okay this is the end i know it but like this is also so fucking silly um peter did you did you find that well, like, it's more like I was hoping to get more out of the ending than than that, because like, I f- I feel like we're like we we talk about jumps in uh, character development, and also like I just felt like the last the final moment again it's not earned, you know, like it's just it's not at all. Like um, like I like there's just something missing, man. Like it just yeah. Doesn't feel good to end it on that note. There's a lot of something that's missing. Yeah, I, I agree. That's, that's how I feel. I'm with you. Um, uh, we've been talking about this the whole pod, but um, yeah. any other thoughts about like what's this film trying to say about helping and honesty and whatnot? Do you guys I, have a thesis? Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've already said like it's like people are incapable of not caring. It's like a deeply ingrained thing, and I I do want to say like I like that theme. And I like it in theory. I think I like it because I just agree with it. Like, I, it's something that rings true mm-hmm. to me. But, like, I, yeah, I wish it did more with it. But, yeah, I, I've, I've, I feel like I've talked a lot about <laughs> what I think we the piece sure of the movie is. So, that's fair. Um, yeah, I want to, find- uh, sorry, mm-hmm. I want to touch on inauthent- uh, auth- authenticity a little more. I think, sure. like, it's very fitting that we're getting, like, I wish, again, I wish the movie could have done more, but like this theme is so interesting. Um, the, the we sort of touched on many. This movie touched on like many like small areas of inauthenticity. Um, so like this sort of like being inauthentic on social media, being inauthentic in like a classroom, whether like you know like you can't see Charlie's face, so you don't really know like who he really is. Yeah, and then um, like. Uh, and then also like being inauthentic towards people, right? Like sort of people trying to make you feel better. So they, instead of telling you what they really think, they tell you what you want to hear instead or like what they think you want to hear. Um, and I think like this movie like had some very interesting interaction that touches on these points. But, and, and, um, and I think like it's very relevant to us like uh, in the 21st century in 2022 to talk about that because I feel like a lot of us live in this sort of like state of ignorance and choose to be inauthentic instead of authentic. Um, like, like things I can think of is just like, for example, news, like, you know, like news can be pretty depressing. Like, so a lot of us choose not to watch the news. Um, and like, and also like Alice would be pretty passionate about this, but like climate change, a lot of us choose to just like ignore this thing that's going on. Like we know of it, but we don't choose to really do anything significant to tackle it. Uh, and like in this movie, I just thought like Brandon, uh, Charlie's the, the sort of like journey through like, you know, trying to convince his students to, instead of write about what your teacher wants to see, write being honest, be yourself. And then eventually coming to this huge climax where he's revealed himself to his student that he's in this sort of um, zone yeah. that he's comfortable with to uh to to talk to his students about who he really is to sort of like not to be the one preaching about inauthentic authenticity and to actually be authentic himself as well like that's like the one thing i really liked about the movie and i thought it was you know done well 
But again, I want to see more of that. So I, I, I just I didn't like that part of the movie very much. Yeah. Honestly, um. Oh, you mean the when he turns on his Zoom camera? I think that. Uh, you go, you go. I'll say. I'll say my piece after. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't. Um. Some of your examples, I don't know if those are exactly like being authentic, like climate change. That's not. That's more like. Well, like that's more, it, I think well, that's more like um. Don't look up, like the ostrich <laughs> effect. Like I'd rather stick. Yeah, I think like authenticity thing, and ignorance are related, though. Sure, like that's not what this movie is at all. I don't think that's not. It's not ignorance. Because I feel like a lot of people choose to like instead of like address Brendan. Like like I feel like in this movie, a lot of people instead of choose to address Charlie's problem, they just choose to live, ignoring that he has these problems. You know. Okay, I okay. Um, that connects like, to what I'll say. So, like, I was gonna say that helping people without being honest is something that's displayed as being not great in this movie, right? It's, yeah. In some cases, maybe it's enabling. In other cases, it's maybe just not truly helpful if you're not being honest. So, like, I don't know. Um, oh, what was I gonna say? Like, like uh, Ellie, right? she's being fully honest maybe too much so but you know like brendan fraser sees that as being more helpful um there's one might say that like liz is kind of like like enabling uh charlie in some ways like she's like you know i don't know it's it's tough to say in that yeah. case i don't know i will say like to be fair like my understanding of like issues like this is that just like cold turkey doesn't work oh yeah like, we talked about this yeah like yeah like you can't just be like i'm not gonna get you pizza anymore like that's not yeah. like that's just not like realistic. that's and it's cruel too like i don't yeah. think i don't think yeah. that's the right way to go about things either um but like i don't know also like the missionary like he's not honest about his mm-hmm. values and his opinions and that's not really helpful his idea of help and I don't know. I think there's something to be said there. Well, um, we, we see like couple, like several examples throughout the movie where people start like, you know, inauthentic, dishonest, and then goes to a place of honesty and authenticity towards the end, right? Because like the, a little bit, yeah. the missionary reveals like what actually happened. Charlie turns on his Zoom camera. Yeah. Um, Charlie to Liz revealing that he actually has money, you know. Like I feel like it's a big part of the movie, but I do, I really like how you said this movie frames that um, sometimes like um, like um, kindness disguised. Uh, sorry, not 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 disguised, but like you you say dishonest things because of kindness. They mm-hmm. the movie puts that in a bad light, and that's really interesting because that's not always the case. But I guess like in this movie specifically, you know, it's portrayed as bad. Yeah. Uh, the thing I want to say is that, like, specifically, like, aside from the ending, I think that the moment Brendan Fraser turns on his webcam is the second most corny moment. No, you're right. You're right. I'm movie. thinking about it right it's now. It's so, yeah. like, and my friend who I saw, my friend Ben, who I saw this with, like, pointed it out, where he was, like, the characters, and this is an audio-only podcast, but the characters, like, the people in the class go, like... <laughs> yeah yeah but they, like they like cover their mouths one of them like drops their pen 
And it's like, <laughs> what the what? Did you like, see the one person like like have their phone <laughs> <laughs> like their phone pops up in their feed and like they're yeah. trying to be subtle about it, but they're obviously taking pictures. Oh yeah. People are and, like that though. So like that's fair. <laughs> that that what that reaction's fine, but like characters like people are so tuned out of online class in real life and like if if the, <laughs> if the prop, had their cameras yeah, on if the I was prop like, had no his webcam off way. there'd be maybe one person with their yeah. camera on. and the, but i was like even if you're ignoring that like the way the characters react to that they're like holy shit what? <laughs> and then he like throws his entire laptop yeah. like, okay man <laughs> I, I, it's it's strange like that would be such a good point about, you know, being authentic and honest or whatever is to have a class full of people with their cameras off. Yeah. Right. And for the prompt to be like, come on, guys, turn on your camera or whatever. Right. And like, I, I actually think that it's it's arguably a more powerful moment if they have all of their cameras off and he turns it on. Yeah. Like, I, I think you have to play it a little differently to make it feel like it's something. But yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's it's a weird moment. Um, last thing I want to talk about for this movie is. There's clearly some, like, nods to Moby Dick. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you guys... Like, I, I picked up on something, and I think I've decided what it means to me, but, like, what mm. did you guys think? I felt like... So the part that they keep talking about is that, like, she liked... Uh, the in the, in the essay where Ellie from 8th grade is talking about Moby Dick, she's like, mm. the part I liked the most is the chapters where the author is just describing a whale... And it's like, it's because he wants to save us from his sad story. And I took that as like, Brendan Fraser finds that significant because it's like, he sees that as Ellie understanding him a little bit. Like she, he left them. And I think she is like, deep down somewhere she's understanding this as like um he is like trying to save them from from, him, from himself oh. and from like the problems he has um because you know like he's made a lot of bad decisions and he's done a lot of things and i think that yeah like brendan fraser see charlie sees that as re- reassurance that like she's again very smart and was like able to understand in some way the decision of Charlie to like not be with his family as much, even though it wasn't completely up to his choice, but he could have done more. Um, yeah. And that's how I saw it. Peter, do you have any ideas? I didn't really like read that deep into it, to be honest. I just thought like, it's lovely that, you know, she's, because I think it's explained that that essay is from grade eight, that um, she's able to sort of convey yeah. like what she actually thinks is a book. And so it's just like, oh, through simile, through metaphor, uh, the author is trying to do this, do that. You know, it's like, mm. it's different from like a typical essay. And that's yeah. sort of like what I picked up on. And I think like the, the reason why this is so significant, Charlie. Uh, I didn't really read into that much, like how this connects the family and all that. It's really just he appreciates authenticity and like being able to like think of something authentic or like knowing that his daughter is authentic before he dies is sort of like important to him. Also, that his daughter is like empathetic. I think that also shows that like his daughter yeah, has yeah, empathy. Yeah. And like, I think that that's one of the also reasons that it's really important to him. The thing that keeps coming back to me, I don't think it's random that 
the book is Moby Dick. I mean, mm. the yeah. movie is also called the book. I should note is called Moby Dick, and it's also known as the Whale. Sometimes the book is called the Whale. Oh, really? And so the fact that the movie is then called the Whale, like that's it's clearly like that's on, and the play was called that. Like, I think that on top of what you guys are saying. I think maybe there's a bit of a connection between, say, fuck Ellie and Ahab, who is in the book, if you don't know, is the crazy captain who is, like, obsessed with hunting the whale for revenge. Mm. I feel like that's Ellie's oh, story, right? Yeah, that's oh, yeah, yeah. To yeah. Hunt that's the connection there. You know, <laughs> creature is what I'm going to say. But, like, like, I mean, like, the whale, right? Like, this peaceful creature who, I don't know, hurt her just because of their nature i guess i don't know like kind of like a weird <laughs> metaphor here but like you know it's just like is a character obsessed with a wrench because they were hurt yeah right and i oh, i feel like yeah, there yeah. is i think there's a parallel there that um yeah if, sort if, of if i had read moby dick i think i would have picked up that degree too too yeah I haven't read it. I just oh, really? like I, I I looked into the plot to see if there was anything more than that. But even without looking at, it, I was kind of like, yeah, isn't the captain like just obsessed? Oh, and okay. like, yeah, that's basically it. Sure. Um. So I think. Do you guys have anything else to say? Because I'm. I said my I'm piece. All, one might say. Yeah, I'm all whaled out. Um, we've had a whale of a time. Yeah. Um, hey. Hey. Really hey. Hey. Uh, um, anyways, we have a segment. We do have a segment. Uh, so I don't know if you guys have noticed, but um, this podcast is called Predator vs. Movies. Um, and we've done the movie part, so it's time to get into the Predator. This is a segment where we ask, would this movie be improved upon if we included the Predator from the movie Predator? What do you guys um, think? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, this this movie was so boring. Like, I think maybe spice it up with a predator wouldn't be a terrible thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't find it that boring, but like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where predator would fit in. They're watching predator on TV. Oh, yeah. and it's like a, it's like a parallel with the Moby Dick thing where they're uh, predators hunting and uh, and the the predator the predator hurt them and then it, it's out of revenge and they yeah. There you go. Yeah, you got a little digitized for a second for the two of us. Um, Like you started going all robot on us, but um, I don't know if that'll come through in the recording. Um, Yeah, I don't have any other. Like that's about it. Maybe maybe predators can't help but be kind to one another and care. Predators is explored as the inverse of humans, where it's like he can't help but to hunt and kill, and like, <laughs> like that's his nature. No, I my favorite my favorite parts of Predator are where they uh, described the predators because it distracted from the Arnold Schwarzenegger's sad story. I don't know. I'm really really <laughs> yeah, really yeah. stretching it there, man. So I don't know. I think our our take is maybe maybe it would have been. <laughs> Something would have been something. Maybe he broke the plate. Hey, we never solved that puzzle. Oh, true. Who broke the plate. True. Who broke the plate. I'm very puzzled by that. I don't know what what that had to do with anything, <laughs> frankly. But, um, uh, Peter, we have another segment. We do. So, um, <laughs> let's talk about our predators' picks. Woo-hoo. What have you guys watched in the past week? Uh, Aiden, let's hear from you. 
Uh, so actually, I have a shit ton this week. I have like I have, I have so many because it's been a while since we watched it, and I've been watching a movie almost every day. So I'll I'll do and, them fairly rapid fire. Yeah, I was gonna say, what are we gonna do? We're gonna keep it brief. Yeah, keep it brief. I won't I won't go into I won't pull a Ryan. Fucking roasted Ryan. Okay, I forget. Just so I know, like the starting point, did I talk about Banshees last time we did this? Yes, I think you did. You did. And I did talk about Decision to Leave too, right? You did. Okay, yeah. so okay, so then the first thing I'll start with is I watched Elvis, uh, which I fucking hated. I thought it was shit. <laughs> I like. I thought yeah. I. I have seen Baz Luhrmann movies before. I'm a big fan of his Romeo and Juliet. I think it's wild and fun. Um, I don't think his style worked at all in this movie. I think that it is it. I unironically think this movie is trying to make the point that Elvis played a pivotal role in ending segregation, which is so fucking yeah, absurd. And it's like, like, shut the fuck up. There were multiple times where out loud, I was watching this movie in my living room by myself. I said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, just, just in, like, what the, like, I just, I didn't care. There were so many That's problems. So with this movie. But yeah, anyway, um, I also watched RRR. Uh, which was fucking bad shit crazy. Uh, I thought it was really fun. One of the things I really liked about it is that the characters feel like they're like superhuman all of the time. And I was literally thinking like, even though these are technically just dudes, like they feel like they're more powerful than like MCU characters. You know what I mean? Like, because in my review, one yeah, of the, I wrote down a letterbox. One of the things that I really liked is that like every single punch from these guys, everything they do feels so powerful. Like they feel like they're gods among men every time they do something. Uh, and so I, I like that a lot. I liked that the action was really creative. And I thought it was really fun. Um, and yeah, the, it's like it's a really fun blockbuster. I'd recommend it for sure. I also watched Babylon. Uh, and so this was a movie that is not Alex and I watched this together. Um, and so there's probably a little bit of the osmosis happening there. We'll see if you, when you talk about it, but, um, so I felt like this movie, this movie was not reviewed super well. I actually really, really enjoyed it. I, for the most part, there are definitely flaws. There are some criticisms of it that I don't like. Like one of the, I've heard people saying like, it's his attempt at like a Scorsese film. And it's like, no, it's not. What the fuck? What not are you talking? Close. It's like Scorsese doesn't have a patent on debauchery in film. Like, what are you? Talking? <laughs> I just, I just, I hate, I hate that shit. But like, um, and like, I don't know. There are moments that I think like the scenes don't want too long. I also, people are saying it's messy. It's like it drags, but it it's mm. a fairly tight story from beginning to end. It's like it's not mm. all over the place. I think it's wrong to say that this movie is all over the place. I think um, I think they just mean like a lot happens in the sure. three hours, and there's a lot of characters we're following because it is it's Damien Chazelle's first ensemble yeah film. So I think maybe people aren't used to that with his style. Sure. Maybe you know? yeah. I I think uh, I think this movie was marketed badly. I want to say that too. I think yeah. that I think that they should have marketed this as from the director of La La Land. This is like a love story between Margot Robbie and this guy. Like mm -hmm. I forget the actor's name. I think that 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 comes way better, and I think that it is a significant part of the movie. So you're not even lying, like that. Their their relationship is a driving force in that movie. So I don't think that's crazy to say. Um, but yeah, what are you gonna say, Alex? Yeah, um, the actor's Diego Calva. He's the lead. Okay. Um, he's great, by the way. Yeah, he is great. Um, I'll just get my Babylon thing out. Oh, of sorry. Well. I just want to say I think the performances yep. are fucking incredible. I actually. I love Margot Robbie in this movie. I think Brad Pitt is great in this movie. Sorry, what's what's the lead's name? Diego Calva. 
Diego Calva is great in this movie. There are particular moments I think are great. There's a monologue that a character delivers to Brad Pitt's character about it's Ooh. over halfway through. So good. And there's so, there's so many moments in the movie that are like legitimately incredible that I, I think that people are reviewing this a little too harshly. Sorry, what are you going to say, Alex? No, I, 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 I completely agree. I just want to tag my review in here while we're, yeah. you know, keep it clumped together. Yeah. Um, it's, I, while I don't agree with every creative decision made, like there's definitely a couple of things I yeah, take towards issue the with, end too. particularly yeah. the last five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I also think that, you know, it's, it's been reviewed harshly, over harshly and um, marketed terribly. It's, I mean, it's always going to have an issue, just the fact that it's an R-rated movie that's over three hours that's for cinema enthusiasts. Yeah. Like, for each of those things, you're just, like, you know, getting, like, audience <laughs> out of here. Yeah. yeah, like, like it's difficult. You're just going to have a tough time. Old people, yeah. who, you know, who would kind of flock to, like, this kind of movie just aren't going to go if it's R-rated and three hours. Yeah. Like, that's those are kind of the things that you don't really want to mix mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um. I think there's some really phenomenal moments. There's one with one of the non-main cast. I want to know his name because I, I don't want to describe it too much without getting into spoilers. Um, looking up his name. Oh my God, come on, make this easier for me. Oh, his name is... Um, oh, he okay, his character's name is Sidney Palmer. He's oh, played yeah, yeah. by uh, jo- Jovan Adepo. Yeah. There's a scene with him and Diego with... Oh, I can't describe it. But like basically like so does it have to do with his band? Yeah. Okay. Or yeah. like like in the movies. <laughs> yeah. And like like it's a tough decision. How about that? Yeah. That scene was really great. Yeah. Um and there's yeah, no, there's a bunch of scenes that are so good. I, I said that in my review, like that the comparisons to Scorsese are strange. I don't yeah. know why people are saying I that. I think it's fucking I think that is just people being straight up stupid. Like I don't like, <laughs> like no, I because I was like, that's wrong, yeah. but this is very reminiscent of Boogie Nights. Yes, yes, very much. Okay, I agree with you. the Boogie okay. Nights comparison, hundred yeah. percent. And like, like after I wrote that, I always write my reviews in a bundle. Like, I, I, I won't re- read reviews until I've written mine. Yeah. And then I started looking at others, and like, I was like, oh, Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights. Yeah. Okay, I was not the only one yeah. for that. Um, yeah, I, I really do want to watch that again, though. Yeah, and so I do think I. that says more about it than anything else. Um, I think we will do a plot on it maybe in January. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know where I would rank it in Chazelle's. It might be his, my least favorite of his. It's between, the, it's a toss up between that and First Man, but sure. Um, but I think in a in an impressive filmography, that's not yeah. such a bad thing. Yeah. I, I I would still say that Chazelle hasn't missed yet. I, yeah, I, I agree. think that's still yeah that still applies. Um, yeah, but anyway, going on with my Predators picks, uh, I also watched Howl's Moving Castle on Christmas okay, Eve, yeah. I think. Um, okay. I might have seen this movie when I was a kid, but I can remember it. Uh, really, really fun, really cute. I liked this movie a lot. Um, I don't know that much to say about it. I just, it was, it's a nice movie. I like that it feels, it's like a nice world that you just get to be in. And I, yeah, I think it's really nice. I also watched the Spike Lee movie Inside Man, which I did not like. Um, and I, like I that either. Yeah. And I didn't think it aged well. It feels so much like a corny 2000s action movie. Um, it's like 
the dialogue is like, oh my, fu- oh my god, like <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ. It doesn't feel like a Spike Lee movie except for like a couple shots, which feels so misplaced. Like when he when he finally does, he kind of starts with the Spike Lee dolly shot, but then he doesn't do anything like that for most of the movie. And then there is a shot where he does it near the end. And it's so funny because it's just out of nowhere in the context of the rest of the movie. You know what shot I'm talking about, right? When the characters, I saw it so long ago, I, I but it's like remember. the Spike Lee shot is like the character is on the dolly and the camera oh. is too. And they're yeah. and so the characters okay, like floating forward. Shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't yeah. like, he doesn't a lot was of that, his movies. Was that, um, Washington? Denzel? Yeah. Was that Denzel yeah. who does it? I don't remember that. It was no, I know the shot you mean. Yeah, I yeah, I didn't like this movie, but don't have that much to say about it. I also watched Eraserhead uh, for the first time. Movie I loved. I thought this was very, very good, very insane kind of thing. That's right up my alley. I also watched the movie Ambulance by Michael Bay that came out this year, <laughs> which was a crazy movie like the way this is filmed there are multiple (laughs) shots where i laughed just because of how insane the shot was like there's drone shot like i think like 80 percent of this movie is shot on drones even interior scenes sometimes are shot on drones which is so funny um but like there are multiple shots where a drone will be like looking at a building and then go up and do a 360 and then dive (laughs) (laughs) and then it cuts away before anything pays off so it's like what the hell did i just watch um but it was it was insane and fun i i actually did like it i liked watching it i gave it three and a half stars um i also watched I watched, I liked this movie more than The Whale, to be honest with you. Um, I also watched a movie that has also been not getting very good reviews, Bardo, which I loved. I thought this was a great movie. I, I, I was, you would. Yeah. I, I, it's, this is another right up my alley movie. I thought that its exploration of its themes were really interesting. I wrote this in my letterbox review that I really don't like one of the criticisms I've been hearing about it, which is that it's super self-indulgent. And it's like, if, I think that's a fair criticism if the movie is something that nobody else could care about because it's just about you and it's just like a person kind of pitying themselves about their own problems. But I think that this movie, he, I think that, um, Inaritu does a really good job of, of connecting this to like real world things that people experience. I felt very touched by this movie. I watched it with my parents and my dad felt very touched by this movie. And my dad is not in fact a, a Mexican <laughs> filmmaker. <laughs> like, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I really, I really, really enjoyed this movie. There were a couple things with frame with some of the visual style that I actually didn't like a, a couple times, but it was whatever. Um, I, and then the last, the very last thing I watched is after Yang, which uh, I, very much enjoyed i thought it was a very pretty little movie it was and i mean pretty both visually and like narratively like what it's saying and it i i thought it was a it was a very touching movie i would watch it again and i didn't watch it in the best circumstances it was in a hotel tv uh with a laptop hooked up to it through an hdmi cord and so the sound wasn't great either um, so I would like to watch this again. I think I would like it even more with in better settings. Uh, but sorry, I rambled a lot. Those are my brother's picks. That was everything I watched. I don't know. Uh, Peter, what have you been watching? Well, mine's nice, short, and sweet. <laughs> I've only seen one thing this past <laughs> week, and uh, it's Decision to Leave. Um, right. I actually thought I didn't watch this this week until I, re- until I checked my letterbox. And said, okay, well, I did watch this this week. Um, so... 
I after I watched it, I had a quick discussion with Alex. Um, movie's crazy. It's an insane movie. Um, we we were, we were just talking about how like the first case was set up very well, and like you know, like it's sort of like right up your alley, Aiden, on like how you follow the detective on as he solves this case, and that the evidence is presented to you. So you're sort of you're not just listening to a detective. You're also solving the case with him, sort of, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, the visuals again so pretty some of the shots just oh. like I was telling Alex that these are not like shots that are crazy to think of but it's just the way it's executed and the camera work that just make them so so beautiful uh, like especially I'm thinking about the shot in the snow uh, on top of the mountain uh, that was a really really pretty shot um, and yeah like we, we like I thought the movie got a little weaker on the second half, but then like after like reading a little bit into it and I sort of like like I think the movie sort of did a swap. Like the first half is more like a noir like detective thriller, and then the second half is more of a like a love story. And like if you like if you interpret the movie that way, I think it's a lot more enjoyable. I gave it a four at first, but I think I wanna watch this again and I think this will very like it's most likely will be a four and a half, if not a five. Like, it's that good. I really liked it, and actors are very talented. And uh, I've not seen any work from this director before. So, um, yes, I have some catch-up to do. <laughs> yeah. That's Park, Park Chan-wook, um, who yes. is a very acclaimed yeah. filmmaker. He did Old Boy, uh, right. Sympathy for Lady Handmaiden. Handmaiden. Yeah. Was it... Stoker was that one of his? I think we've had this discussion before. Yeah. Um, I'm getting deja Old Boy is the John Wick one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That John Wick is basically the same as yeah. Um, anyways, for my Predators picks, I've seen a lot this week as well. Uh, what Aiden and I are trying to do, and Peter has failed <laughs> to do, is we're trying to catch up on what we missed in 2022 yeah. so that we could do our year in review podcast. And so that's why we're watching so much, mostly. Also the Huawei. Um, right. So I watched Fire Island. Um, which is an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, I want to say. Oh, really? One of those movies. Yeah, oh. one of those. And it's um, like a group of gay friends who go to Fire Island for like a summer thing. And it's it was a good movie. I was very, like I watched the trailer a, a while ago and I wasn't really interested. But like the cinematography was like really good. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was really compelled by the story. It was, it was a good time. Uh, I also watched Elvis. Um, I can see how people are entertained by it because at no point was I thinking like, this is like a terrible movie. It's like Bohemian Rhapsody. You can strap in and just like watch it, turn your brain off. But like when you start to think about it, it's like, no, that was like a, that was a pretty bad movie. I also, I thought Elvis was boring because I I I thought it was so overstimulating that when you're like an hour in, it's like, fuck this, I'm done. Yeah, I, I was struggling to get through it um, before even, like, halfway, I think. But, yeah. Um, but, like, what I mean is that the the Academy members I've heard are love Elvis for really? some reason. And I'm not I'm not entirely surprised by that. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's, it's an uncritical, it. it's a completely uncritical examination of a Hollywood idol. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's, yeah. And uh, there's so many things I could say about it. Like, the, the framing it from Colonel Tim... Tom Parker's perspective is an absurd choice yeah. that does not pay off. It's no, it's just it's so weird. Um, I watched Babylon. We already said that. I watched Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. 
and I do not regret doing that. It was a great time. I watched it by myself in a yeah. theater. Nice. Um, there was someone like several rows ahead of me who was like laughing hysterically. <laughs> at some of the That's jokes, awesome. And I really appreciated it. Yeah. I, 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 I wish I knew who that was. Cause Big shout out to that guy. A, a, yeah, yeah, whoever he is, he was having a great time. There's some like really funny fucking jokes in that movie. Yeah. Um, like one of my favorites is there's, you know, slight spoilers for a joke, but there's a, there's a new character that's a dog and he's like, like an unwanted dog that's been like let out on the streets or whatever. And he's listing all the names. They're like, they're like, Hey, what's your name? I don't know what your name is. And he goes, Oh, well people call me lots of things. They call me get out of here, scram, kick rocks, <laughs> this. And he's like listing things that are obviously not his name. And then he starts swearing, <laughs> starts cursing and they bleep it out. And he goes, beep. And you know, they call me beep, beep, beep. And, and <laughs> that was very funny. Um, I mean, like story-wise, it started to lose me in like the second act and third act. I was, I don't know. It's, well, okay, while it's funny and the animation is spectacular, I was really enthralled by the first act. And then once they start doing like what the rest of the movie is, I was like, oh, it's one of these movies. It's like, <laughs> it's a it's a road movie with like okay. a map. Okay. And it's like, oh, now we have to do the three trials. And I'm oh, like, oh, wait, I've road seen map? this before. <laughs> yeah, like, like there's a map and we got to do these three things to get yeah. to the point. And I'm like, it's it's just one of those like very formulaic like wow sure. doesn't that fit super nice into the screenplay format kind of yeah. movies that I was like this isn't as great as people were saying um, but that's only from like a story perspective I found Puss in Boots a really great character <laughs> going through like his yeah. character arc is really fascinating there's three villains in this and they balance them pretty well John Mulaney is in this movie oh really and for once I was like I wish he wasn't like, really. His, yeah, it, his voice does not fit the character whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm always like, that's John Mulaney. Stop talking. About it. I wish I was like, uh, there's also like probably the fourth adaptation of Pinocchio in there. <laughs> like Pinocchio makes an appearance oh, and yeah. and um, the cricket. There's a cricket. The cricket has a oh, bigger really? role. You know the Pinocchio from Shrek. We've never met the cricket mm. in Shrek, but the cricket has like <laughs> a kind of like a minor role and he's so funny. Um, is this anyways, before or after the Shrek movies with the world takes place? This takes place like it's the latest in the series. Okay. Anyways, go watch Puss in Boots. The Last Wish. It was really fun. Um, I watched the Mupp the Muppets Christmas Carol first oh, time. That's a classic. Uh, a, I like the Muppets a lot, and I didn't like this movie. Oh really? It's basically the Christmas Carol. That movie like made me. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and it made me cry really hard when I was a kid. My mom was crying. <laughs> like, like, I understand that how people would get sad about it, but like, I was like, guys, this is literally the same thing. Christmas Carol. They didn't do anything to it. Like, it's like it's literally just you've casted the Muppets. I was hoping a little more zaniness, a I, I little more Muppets going on there. But I distinctly remember there's a moment where there's a caroler near the beginning, and Scrooge throws something at him, <laughs> and that when I saw that, that was the saddest I had ever been was in that? my life up until that point. No, that actually that crushed me as a child. Like, see, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, sure. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Moving on. Um, Michael Michael Caine is like 
sleepwalking through that movie. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever <laughs> Wait, seen that movie. Michael like, K wasn't... What? He's Scrooge. He's Scrooge in that movie. And, like, like I feel like he was just there for the paycheck. I don't. I didn't care for that. I don't have the nostalgia factor, so... Hmm. Um, that'll get me a lot of hate, though. Um, I watched Bardo, and I was the one who recommended it to Aiden, because I knew it would be up his alley. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. I was going to um, watch it anyway, though. I'm just going to put it out there. Also <laughs> point that out there. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Um, it was very interesting... Um, I think it's not without flaws. It's pretty long. Um, there were some good moments that I liked. And I really liked how absurdist it was and surrealist it was at the beginning. And it kind of loses that in the middle. And then at the end, it explains it. And I agree with people who were saying that, like, explaining it was unnecessary and kind of ruins it. Like, Aiden, do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but I disagree. Okay, that's fair. But, like, I... I, w- I was perfectly happy with just accepting that this is a an absurdist, surrealist world, and like mm-hmm. that's his view of the world or whatever. I didn't need there to be like a, oh, this is why it's all happening kind of thing. But I didn't think um, that, and without getting too much into it, I didn't think that was the point of it. I it, I don't think that, no, I don't, I don't think no. the point of that scene is to explain what's happening. I think the point had more to do with him as a character. And it's like, no, sure, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, I also know that, like, I, I listened to one of my podcasts, and, like, everyone on it, the host and the guest they brought on, are, like, Inaritu haters. So, like, I have a... I listened to, like, an hour-long rant about why they hate that movie. So I, I understand the perspective now. Basically, it's just, like, some people find him to be... No, not my words, but a hack. I've heard and, that. Like, and... They just find, like, this movie is very, like, I'm a director who's got all the success and now, like, but doesn't it suck to be me because some people hate me? But, but the like, movie's not that. Successful. That's it's, not what the movie well, is. Well, it's very clearly, like, a self-insert character. No, I know. So, I don't know. It's but the I, way, I understand what they're talking about. I, 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 when people say something like that, it's like, you're intentionally not trying to understand things in that movie. If that was your takeaway from the movie, you were trying not to... I, no, I think some people just hate him so much. I know, but and I yeah. don't have that take. So I, like, I, I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like it was interesting. I thought, I thought it was a yeah. good movie. Um, there's some really weird uses of CGI. But like I said in my letterbox yeah. review, I didn't like, mind it though. I didn't hate it because it's a comedy. I, yeah. So it's like you and know it, what? It works Fair within enough. this surrealist. Yeah I, yeah, I didn't mind it at all. Um, and then I watched White Noise yesterday. Yeah. That one's also kind of long. Um, and I was confused as to what it was doing because like like i was misled i should sue but like (laughs) like, i thought the movie was going to be one thing yeah and like like then the thing stops and then it switches gears i was like wait that it's over oh okay we're doing this new thing now and so it took me a while to like realize where we were going but looking back on it i was like oh okay like i get it i get what they're going for and it was a fun it was a good time yeah that Uh, was a movie i i immediately wanted to rewatch that i was like this that was really fun. Yeah. Um, I, I admire that Noah Baumbach was doing something so different. Yeah. So I thought that was really neat. I also love that the movie ends with a dance sequence. Oh, I love I the ending. sucker for that. I love I that ending so much. Um, and then like the credits just roll. Yeah. And keep rolling and it doesn't and, stop. And I was like, yes! And, and yeah. Andre, Andre 3000's character is doing like the same dance. <laughs> I didn't know who that was. Okay, that's, he's that's the guy from... Um, yeah. Outcast. Uh, 
Oh, Cass, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't know that was him. That's yeah. awesome. I loved, I did notice the dance. Yeah, and even in the funny. wide shot, he's still doing it. <laughs> oh my God. And is that the, 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 the chemist? Is she the one from After Yang? Was that the same actor? Oh, I don't think so. I, oh, I'm not sure, that. though. I don't remember, though. I'm going to look it up. Uh, no, instead of typing white noise cast, I looked up white noise cat. Oh. Um, so there you go. It <laughs> nice. is, in fact, Jody Turner. Oh, it is. Who was oh, it is. In After Yang, so I was correct. Oh. Um, I was like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, she does a cool dance at the end, too. Anyways, that's cool. So that's what I that's what I watched. Oh, I guess I also watched White Lotus. I've been working on that for the past oh, little yeah. bit. So I watched the first season. Oh, man, I hated that fucking filter. The orange. Have you oh, seen shit. pictures of it? I, yeah. Is it the is it like the Latin America filter that Hollywood often Basically. puts on? Okay. Yeah, but but they're in Hawaii, so oh. I like I, I guess I understand why it's subversion like, then because sure. it's not. <laughs> it's yeah. anyways. I I hated the the filter, but I think the story was interesting and. I'm trying to remember what happens in the last episode. I was definitely like like the some of the characters that I loved. Like I loved Armand. He's he's the the hotel manager with the mustache. And I mean, it's not just because of that, but um, <laughs> it's a stash. Yeah. I mean, stash solidarity. Am I right? Anyways, that's what I watched. Um, next week we're gonna do our year in review because Peter had to take his sweet time and not catch up for this I'm week. Still so we did. Still did. Um. <laughs> And Dude, yeah, I was a holiday, man. Give me a break. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, um, if you like us, go check us out on at Predator V Movies on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we post funny stuff. We do news and uh, whatever. Um, if you want to see our reviews, uh, <laughs> uh, on Letterboxd, follow us on Letterboxd at uh, me. Follow me at underscore Alex Gordon underscore. I leave pretty long-winded reviews that are like analytical there's also somebody else who has reviews. yeah so also follow me on letterboxd i'm 810 sunny that is 810 s-o-n-m-y my name is wombo uh i often leave just like uh like goofy little reviews where it's sentence but occasionally i will go on a rant of a movie <laughs> or i will also remember a movie i watched a month ago and be like oh, okay this is what i'm writing and then i'll, I'll go back and write it without actually having re rewatched it um, and then sometimes I just write other things. So you get a very, you get a mixed bag from me. Mixed bag. Um, I I think that's it for us. Oh, leave a review. If you like what you listen to, um, give us five stars on Spotify. We're trying to get uh, an official ranking there. Like it on YouTube or leave a review. We'll read it out. Uh, we love our fans. Thanks. Yep. Uh, anyways, until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. And this was Predator vs. Movies. Uh, see you next Woo! time. Happy New Year!